Hello, family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Talks with Lim Lee. I'm your host. I'm Lim. I'm a software engineer, and my sidekick is. Hello, this is Emmett Morgan. I am a realtor here in Las Vegas, and I'm a dude with a spam shirt on. Your intro sounded really good there. That was nice. We're we're uh, delighted today to have an awesome guest on. Say hello to Andre, everybody. What's your what's your story? Hello, my name is Andre uh, Flores. I was uh, I'm from Europe, Eastern Europe, Republic of Moldova. Uh, moved to U.S. in 2015, and I work as a construction project manager for a commercial construction company here in Vegas. Cool. Nice. We'll, uh, we'll dive into that in a second. I forgot to say that this is, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, this is also available on podcast via audio audio on your major, any major podcast platform, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. There's so many. Cast, cast box. Uh, yeah. Is there a subreddit? Uh, I think I did create it. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I parked it. I was kidding. <laughs> um, and then if you're listening only, make sure to check out our YouTube channel so you could watch us be silly. You can see how good looking we are. All right. So where should we start with you, Andre? Where's the most interesting stories in your life from your childhood or your work or what would you think is the most... Uh, it's a problem what? child. <laughs> Were you a problem child growing up? Okay. So um, let's let's see. Uh, I am the only child, so uh, problematic Spoiled. would be probably something not close to uh, my personality. Um, I was a little bit spoiled, though, but oh, again. Well, <laughs> well, actually, let me back up. So does that mean you felt the responsibility of your family on you because you're the only child? Uh, no, I think I actually had a very careless childhood, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, but I was Carefree. born in Eastern Europe. Carefree? What did I say? Careless. Carefree, correct. I mean, well, similar. You're right. So I, uh, yeah, I, I could see that if you're a child, you're just playing where you know you're playing around, your parents take care of everything, you could be careless per se. But I guess careless is with the stigma of being dangerous. C- careless implies that you shouldn't have been not caring. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. So <laughs> just a disclaimer, right? I'm, I'm going to have a lot of uh, words that I probably mispronounce. So um, you can laugh, but you can still correct well, me. Well, me and you I'm will be on the same page. I, I say <laughs> things incorrectly all the time. No, no. Right. For me, it's not correction. I want to make sure I'm understanding what you mean. Okay, that's and, good. And then uh, kind of translating to the audience a little bit. Sounds good. But yeah, no, I, I know Andre pretty well, and he communicates well. Thank you. Well, English is my second language uh, among... When did you start learning English? Um, in first grade. So I went mm. to a school that had language uh, English as a second language. And then um, they added French and um, Russian. Oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oui, oui, senior, <laughs> monsieur. Did you keep up French? Uh, no. So actually, we stopped in ninth grade. And then um, because I didn't use it, so I actually did not. Currently, you're fluent in two languages only? Four. Oh, so <laughs> what the fuck? The this lang- is- <laughs> I forgot the language of love. Right. So it's He's Romanian. not good at math. <laughs> Romanian, uh, which is my native language. Uh, Russian, which is my second language. English is a third. And fourth is Spanish, which I decided to learn on my own before I moved to uh, the United States. What was your driver's... I'm, I'm, I'm guessing... Bueno. Uh, Romanian and English were... That was something that uh, your parents basically pushed on you or the Romanian basically that was the only one uh, but uh, in the first grade like I said we they uh, they put English as a 
second language and we had English every single day. Mm. Uh, Russian I learned on the street, to be honest with my, <laughs> I had a lot of Russian friends. Uh, Moldova as a republic has a very interesting history that um, connects basically Romanian history with Russian and Soviet. And it's it's been a country that had a very complex um, mm. set of events in the past is, 100 years. Is there years. a Moldo Moldovan language on its own? No, but you will hear people um, saying something different. <laughs> There's <laughs> always, I, I mean, it's been a conflict um, uh. where a lot of people uh, in my country will tell you that there is a Moldovan language, which doesn't exist. <laughs> Moldovan language is, is basically Romanian with some Russian words okay. uh, thrown here and there, just like Spanglish or Runglish. Sure. Um, yeah. But there's no such thing as Moldovan language, no. Yeah, well, that's totally logical. You're you're caught between cultures and between geographies, so. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, that as a country, we had a lot of correlation with, with um, uh, with different big empires uh, like the Turkish Empire, we have basically Romanian has a lot of Turkish words in it um, as well. Um, so yeah, we have a very long history. It's very interesting. Um, not the best outcome, <laughs> but it is what it is. So which which language is the hardest for you to learn? Um, the hardest one was or oh, go ahead answer I that. I think okay so. It was not hard, but I, th I still think Russian is one of the most complex uh, languages in the world. Grammar, especially, it's just, uh, it's something different. So you, I was actually talking to one of our mutual friends, Corey, the other day, and she was trying to translate a, um, a sentence uh, for her mother-in-law that lives in Israel. And now uh, yeah. with the conflict, she was trying to be nice and she was trying to ask her how she's doing. Uh. So she, showed me the text i'm like no that's something that you say to a friend like for example in russian in, in russian there is no there is no such thing as you as singular and plural right, right. In, in english it's just one word uh, in russian is you have singular plural and then you have a, a word to use when you're trying to be nice to somebody or like respectful but gotcha. um, someone that usually is a little bit older than you are it's like when you say your honor Exactly, almost. So, um, in that perspective, um, Wait, Russian so you, is very So, your complex. friend's mother-in-law is in Israel. Yeah. So that's Albi's mother. Well, don't say it on the internet. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but she speaks Russian. Wait, should I remove? She that? does speak Russian. No, that's. The, I think. No, I, mean, so. oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. No, she. Um, no, the point is: is there is there a lady in Israel that speaks Russian? Yes. So that she is a Russian immigrant. Okay. Uh, in Israel, yeah. Is she hella Jewish? She is. Okay, so that's the attraction, right? That's why she wanted to get to Israel? I think so. Okay. I don't know their history, so. Gotcha. Connections. Connections. So, um, yeah, that being said, I think Russian is the most complex, the most um, co even complicated uh, in language to learn. I think after Chinese. I tried to do that too, but I didn't. <laughs> <eat>. <laughs> so your, your, your question was, why did I uh, learn Spanish and what was the driver uh, for that? Yeah, what, so, was, what was her name? Yeah. <laughs> was she hot? Do you regret breaking with, with her? It's they. Oh. Do you regret not going back there? <laughs> yes. To Miami. Always. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, first of all, being um, having some sort of uh, French experience, um, French language experience, right? Yeah. Uh, in school and um, having those four years of uh, learning, 
um, I thought that would be a good idea to actually um, learn a different Latin language, mm -hmm. which is Spanish, right? So me being Romanian, Romanian being a Latin language mm -hmm. and French, now Spanish, yeah. in my mind, that would have been easy to, to, to learn. And um, to be honest, I think in one or two years, I actually uh, got to a pretty decent level of Spanish. And the main driver was um, I knew I'm going to work in the construction business. So uh -huh. in my mind, especially on the West Coast, there's a lot of um, Spanish speaking. Um, oh, you racist motherfucker. I am not. I, I, I'm actually being nice. Uh, I was hoping he was saying after thinking about all the Latin booty, you wanted to learn more Spanish. But well, that too, that helps around. a lot too. I saw this J Lo movie called Jiggly. Jiggly. Right. So uh, I, I can definitely say that I made a lot of friends because of the fact that I spoke Spanish. And um, yeah, do you work with any guys named Carlos? Uh, a lot. <laughs> but I think the most common name is Juan. Juan, not Jesus. There's a lot of Jesus. Okay. Um, so, so yeah. Jorge. So in the construction biz, a lot of um, Americans with Mexican heritage will. That is correct. Yeah. Amazing people, by the way. Very interesting. When did you come to the U.S.? Um, well, I immigrated to U.S. in 2015. My um, first, um, let's say work and travel experience. This is what we call it over there. It's a special program. Mm -hmm. uh, was in 2011. Um, and that was my first flight to Nashville, uh, Tennessee, a beautiful city. Um, so that was one of the programs that I used to uh, spend my summers here. Did you do um, any line dancing when you were in Nashville? I didn't have time, but I, I think <laughs> we did that in Memphis once. <laughs> nice. Beautiful. Um, so that my first uh, experience with um, the work and travel program in US was was pretty interesting. Um, I mean, if we have time, I can tell you. Uh, oh, we got time, it. man. Yeah. So, got time. so I think I was the third year at the university that was the Technical University of Moldova. Mm -hmm. One of the main reasons why I am I am in construction today. Um, so for a couple of years, I would see older uh, students uh, coming back in September, October, uh, with all these photos and memories and um, stories about them being <laughs> Cowboy hats. in the US. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, a lot of bags from Ross and Marshalls too. <laughs> that was a deal. That was something interesting too. I mean, for uh, what? for a student, you know, the- uh, You know, the discount the store, stores. The discount yeah, store. yeah, but why, what's so, the correlation? Because you so, can't get the good shit over there. Exactly. So I mean, uh, if you want to get a uh, some some Skechers or some some Reebok, um, yeah, if shoes, you want some Nike pants or you're gonna like have to Under Armour like, shirt, right? It doesn't exist in. I mean, it does, but it's very expensive. So yeah. if you want to get some Adidas uh, shoes, uh, you have to go to the uh, retail store over there in the mall, and you're gonna probably pay two hundred dollars, right? Mm. And when you come to US and you go to Ross and you see those for like twenty five, thirty dollars, I'm like, oh my god, this is a uh, yeah, a hidden gem, you know. Uh, by any chance, uh, um, I noticed in Vietnam that as times times going on, the economy is getting stronger, and some of the people that that like Adidas a whole lot, they could tell a difference of 
the Adidas that's bought in Marshalls. So you're nodding your. Oh, I don't oh, know. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, no. Yeah. So meaning they know what's the newest Adidas. I'm like, dude, you guys are a third world world country. Like, <laughs> lay back. Like, I'm trying to give some gifts. Like, don't judge me on this. I, know, I, know <laughs> exactly. I didn't buy the most latest Adidas. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, and that's, uh, <laughs> I would even call it a phenomenon for some, uh, I mean, in, in a way or another, because you're right. Um, the poorer the country, the more accent they have on expensive items and i think in a way in my mind that is um probably the only way to uh compensate for all the things that we didn't have when we were kids right so i think in my in my situation uh, probably same thing with you guys um in the 90s there was basically nothing to buy in the stores and there was a deficit of things which I remember as a kid because that uh, lingered around for like five years until 95, 96. Yeah. I have some very sad stories where, where we actually had to, my mom had to uh, go out um, and sell my old clothes so she can buy food. Though, oh yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, when you come from a society, uh, and I'm actually not talking about come to US, I'm actually talking about tr the transition from the Soviet Union to uh, capitalism and to a new world. Yeah. Um, when you lived in a country that has basically nothing to offer, yeah. and uh, all of a sudden you see all this uh, Western values and you see people wearing um, uh, jeans and it's cool, and, and, exciting, and cool, and stuff like Hollywood is all over the place. Um, you will have the tendency to compensate somehow for the things that you didn't have. So yes, yeah. I've seen that a lot. I sometimes go home and I'm like, what the hell you guys, this guy's <laughs> wearing a Rolex and he he's he doesn't have a place to live, you know? And he's like riding the, the most expensive car there is on the market. I'm, yeah. In a way I'm, it's sad, but at the same time, I kind of understand them too. Yeah. Um, because it is what it is. This is the, the so life When, when it's have. out of reach for so long, maybe in your mind, it's, so much more important it's so much more better to attain and to right some, at some degree i'm guessing uh dvds uh, uh pirated dvds american movies white hollywood those things are visible easily to the to the poor person so they could go watch a movie and see on the big screen well in on their small tv at home they right. can see uh rolexes ferraris uh adidas they see all that and in the mind it starts to just uh, brainwash them unknowingly i guess un right. i don't know if it's unknowingly or how you want to say it but it gets in their brain and that's what they want so that's exactly what it, what it is and I, I think that's the the answer to the question and uh i think there's still well time will have to pass until we actually we as a, a third world country uh, i'm talking about my the country that i'm coming from uh will learn uh the value of wealth in general because yeah. again um, in in their mind, in in a lot of my friends' mind, uh, the, uh, the 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 wealth is actually shown by the car that you're driving, it's the clothes that you're wearing, or the restaurant that you're going to. Um, but it's not really. <laughs> but, well, like you right. said, though, that transition out of the Soviet Union is a massive shock to a nation and a culture and a people. So maybe it takes a generation or two to adjust and find your own your own way, right? That's that's how I see it. Yeah, you can't just bring democracy overnight, and I mean not. I mean, yeah, democracy is a, that's a, pol a, pol you can bring a capitalism political overnight. thing, <laughs> but you cannot bring capitalism overnight because it, it's going to cre create some um, misunderstanding. Yeah, some weird side effects. What do right. you What do you think is the the best and or the worst things that when you see this transition from socialist to um, capitalist? Right. Oh, yeah. Is there any downside? 
Um, it's got there be. is, I, there is in a way. Okay, so I've been saying this since I came to US uh, and I've been saying this to my friends, even my parents. One thing that I'm really grateful um, for the fact that I actually was born and raised in that uh, part of the um, of Europe is that number one, I had free um, healthcare, mm -hmm. and most importantly, I had free um, education, mm -hmm. and that involves high school, involves in middle school, uh, but most importantly, college and university. I mean, I did pay for the university, but the amount that I had to pay was mm -hmm. so negligible that if you transfer that into dollars, it's nothing. So how did you get into uh, Moldova Technical University? Do you have to have the best grades or what's the, so, or can anybody well, go? You, well, there's a certain GPA that you have to get in order to, um, to go to that university. But I think in a way, everybody can go to university. It's not that uh, hard to get in, uh -huh. uh, especially because I had college. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to actually finish high school um, and do my bachelor. No, what is it? they call it bachelor over there, but it's not really bachelor. So when you finish like 12th grade, sure, yeah, you, then you can apply to university. What I decided to do was um, I didn't know if I want to be a structural engineer. So I said, look, I'm going to finish ninth grade. I'm going to go to college, the construction college, mm. which basically um, um, involves you finishing the same grades that you would in high school. But on top, you have like summer school and you have um, evenings where you learn oh. uh, a skill. And, th and that specifically was uh, construction technician. You were an ambitious dude. No, that was my mom. She <laughs> <laughs> that is actually true. My mom is a structural engineer and um, I always wanted to be something else than a structural engineer. I wanted oh. to be a singer or an actor, but <laughs> um, that wasn't to be so. There's not as many good paying jobs. I know. And that, that was my mom's um, like point, you yeah. know, like, you know what? You can you can have your own band. You can you could go to uh, and apply to a like I don't know like evening theater or like yeah. amateurs theater, but make sure you go to college. Yeah, I and um, the first few years were actually tricky because I wasn't really into math and physics yeah. and chemistry and all that. But I think as soon as I started to actually understand construction, um, it became really interesting. Well, so, so the trick is if you just act like a constru construction engineer, then you do both. Cause now you're method acting by living <laughs> that life. Well, I, if I would do that, I would, <laughs> you wouldn't probably want to be in my, the buildings. That I <laughs> Just act like, you know, math. Like, yeah. Well, unfortunately it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Did you, were you able to follow the acting or music path while college and everything all the way through or did you find a point what was the point where you kind of did you leave one behind okay so in college i we did have a what we call a comedy club hmm. um so i was very actively involved in that yuck, 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 yuck. yeah you're a comedian uh actually no, well we call it a comedy club but i was more of a like theater type of thing we're like putting sketches together and like um that's fun different, you know. oh maybe they'd call it improv out here yeah you can call it well it's a little bit different. So uh, it's kind of like an SNL type of thing. Yeah. Um, so we did that. And at the same time, I, uh, I had a band, a rock band that I was involved in too. We recorded a couple of songs. So that kind of made me, uh, you know, um, calm me down for a while because I'm like, <laughs> okay, I did that and I did that. So 
Yeah. I should be good. Nice. Mm. So yeah, I think um, when I went to university, that's when the um, reality kicked in. <laughs> I gotta learn this fucking math. Right, and that was the same time when I came to US. And to be honest, I am very grateful to the fact that I actually decided to um, be part of that program of uh, working and traveling because I was a baby before I came to US <laughs> and I went back as a grown, grown up. Oh, you mean you had sex? Uh, no, <laughs> uh, you know what? Growing up doesn't really involve that. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, came being, back a man. <laughs> being on my own, uh, being on my own in in a foreign country, uh, uh, having yeah. no friends. Basically, I was technically dropped um, in a city called Little Rock, uh. Arkansas, trying to sell books door to door mm. on a commission. Yeah, in 115 degrees outside with a lot of like 95% humidity. So you can imagine no car, just a bicycle. The, I, I lasted one month. <laughs> yeah, that's like being a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Almost, yeah. That's like, well, the same company was sell. I don't want to say names, but um, <laughs> that's really bad, bad um, publicity. <laughs> yes, no, it's all right. Uh, but that, that company used to sell Bibles uh, okay. in the 1900s. So um, yeah. now they're selling encyclopedias. Uh, to be honest, as bad as it sounds, I think that was a really good uh, school for me. And it's not about even selling, it not about sales. It was about me being responsible and knowing mm. that um, you're going to wake up tomorrow and your mom is not going to be here. <laughs> mm. your, your parents are not going to be here. So you have to be on your own. You have to um, manage your own budget. You have to manage your own um, household, whatever. Wow. So um, yeah, one of the things that I'm really grateful is that definitely. Yeah, that's a different kind of independence. Exactly. So definitely sink or swim. Right, right. Where do you think the most important aspects of all that from your career now to the <clears throat> Romania, the, the, the childhood, to the travel work program, right. what was the most integral piece or the most, the biggest catalyst for you to get to where you are? I think, uh, well, I had a breakdown moment. Uh, Breakthrough? Break, I, I actually, it was a breakdown. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, I technically, I, I, I actually started to cry <laughs> yeah. one day because I realized that I was uh, broke. Um, I had no money left yeah. in my account. So I called my employer and I said, look, um, I, I appreciate you guys, all the things that you did for me, uh, but I cannot work on commission anymore. Um, so that day was one of the uh, catalysts, like you said, that actually changed my personality completely because uh, what happened was I was so uh, exhausted that I basically called my parents and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I really don't know what to do. I'm like, I mean, it's a dead end for me. Yeah. And they said, look, Andre, we're gonna send you, we're gonna wire some money take a ticket, come back and you'll be fine. Like, like never ha like nothing ever happened. But while I was actually going to the bank, I thought to myself and I said, look, if I go home yeah. today, I'm going to hate myself for the rest of my life. Oh. And instead of going to the bank to um, get the money that my, my, my money will buy, my parents would wire, I actually called my employer and I said, look, I don't want to go home. Just find me a different job. So, they found me a different job. I flew to Atlanta. I worked there in the mall. Uh, I made a d decent amount of money and I went home and I felt like I did the right thing. And looking back, I think I did the right thing because if I would have uh, like returned home in yeah. July of that year, 
I wouldn't be the person that I am today for what, sure. What led up to that moment? Were you living beyond your means or just the commission was just, it was a dry spell or. Right. So it wasn't. Wait, what year was this? That was 2011. Yeah. If you can imagine trying to sell encyclopedias door to door in 2011. Mm. And that is a good point, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for, for saying that because yeah. first of all, um, I didn't decide where I'm going to sell. I was actually directed to sell in that specific area. And to be honest, yeah. and I, no offense to the state of Arkansas and the city of Little Rock, <laughs> but that city at that specific time was in a terrible shape. And to be honest, me as a student, I had no idea of the market crash in 2008. I didn't have uh, any idea of the crash of the real estate market. So yeah. it was very weird for a Molda like me walking around the neighborhood and seeing every other house being foreclosed. I didn't mm. even know what that is. Then I realized that, hold on, all those people actually lost their houses. Yeah. And the pro probably one of the most important moments that I remember was when I tried to sell this encyclopedia uh, to this lady and she's like, sir, how much is it this, this, this <laughs> book? I'm like, it's only $120. She's like, uh, sir, do you want to look in my house? My house is empty. I have no, I have nothing. <laughs> and she was actually not kidding. The lady yeah. had a sofa yeah. and a beat up Chevy from something, like the yeah. 60s or something, 70s. And then it's that that's when I realized that, hold on, I'm in the wrong location. Yeah, I'm in the wrong spot. So I decided like, look, I am I'm out of money because I was only, only working for a commission. I only sell, sold a couple of books, but how much money are you going to make in a month? So yeah, well, you're realizing this is such a hopeless task, right? A hopeless. It was. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that there are people that succeeded in other states or even in the same city, but um, well, I could, I could tell you there's not a lot of door-to-door -door encyclopedia salesmen. And then with the internet coming out. In the U.S. <laughs> anywhere, right. Yeah. Wikipedia and Google. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, well, so this job program had a way to send you to Atlanta then? Yes. Yeah, so basically I called the, uh, I got to the owner, well, not owner, the director of the company. And they said, well, look, um, you're still on the contract, so you can choose. Yeah. So the guy gave me a... Um, a position as a sales position in a mall and I was selling sunglasses. That's which a much, was, much easier. Sell. Which was the best job in the world. <laughs> I'm actually not kidding. Talking to people and sunglasses, they sell themselves. They don't need to be sold. <laughs> Would you rather have this pair of sunglasses or this full set of encyclopedia books? <laughs> they cost the same. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, unfortunately, yeah, in our society, uh, sunglasses sell much better than encyclopedias. So that that uh, commission-based encyclopedia and and the sungla the sunglasses thing was it was one company. Yeah, and that was part of the. Well, yeah. it's the same employer, but it, they work a little, a little bit different. They have partnerships, and um, as are, long as you have a contract with them. Are they essentially getting cheap foreign labor then? Were you making less than minimum wage or something, or how does that? Well, yeah. was that part of the the work the work program travel thingy part part of that too yes yeah. but it well because like why would i hire a dude to come over from moldova to sell sunglasses when i can get some teenager and and you had a degree too why not use that well they it's not really related those two are not related at all um yeah. so this is a big this was a big company actually the company that sells books is a huge company uh it's very successful i don't know how they're doing um now now but <laughs> but a name i'll google it while you talk <laughs> but but um merriam webster <laughs> <laughs> that's basically uh that's basically it they have contracts with different employers in us 
and um, it is partially cheap labor because the work and travel uh, programs they all hire students from from Eastern Europe, especially mm. um, that will come for the summer, maybe more than a summer, maybe like five months a year, and they would work in restaurants, they would work in mm. um, like any type of um, industry here, um, and it's a cheap. Uh, labor, but again, it's it's a win-win type of situation because the employer has uh, will pay less, and it's mm. good for his business. At the same time, you have the opportunity to uh, see the world a little bit, yeah. um, travel to US, um, and at the same time, make some money. Nice. So, I mean, again, it's a win-win. Well, so so we derailed pretty hard from uh, I think the original we were, we were at we started with um, in the transition from the Soviet Union to capitalism, right? What were some good and bad changes that you saw? Okay, so the good change, well, the good changes were, um, of course, freedom. Freedom! So, like um, you could talk trash about Lenin whenever you want? Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? The best thing is not to talk about him at all. Yeah. I, I want to forget him. Okay. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people want to forget him. Uh, a lot of old people still have the, you know, can I call it melanch melancholy? Yeah, like old values. Yeah, that they want to old hold values, and and they still um, crave for um, social. I mean, the the way things were before. Mm, yeah, and in all reality, there were some good things about Soviet Union. No, no doubt. Sure. Uh, and especially when you're in a transition period like the '90s, mm -hmm. good things will will not come overnight. Mm -hmm. It's actually a 10, 15 year period of crisis mm. and adaptation. Yeah. So the nineties were rough, like really rough. <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot of, um, yeah. If you go from like, we got some crappy food to we're now we're starving. Then you go, Hey, I wish we were that back the way it was. Cause right. we had some food. Exactly. So, okay. so the, again, the good things are probably freedom, democracy, even though the democracy is really young over there still, and people are still learning how to live in a democracy and, mm. um, be able to fight for their rights. Um, but we do have a lot of uh, young people that are very, very active. And I think they are going to bring the change. They are the, the, the new, uh, the, that generation that will, uh, will completely change the way people see things and, and the country and the politics. Looking back now, um, when do you think was the harshest time in that town or, that, uh, or in Romania? Was it your child? Moldova. Oh, Moldova. Yeah, Romania, well, that's a little bit of history, but Moldova now is a separate republic, um, which R Moldova was part of Romania for a long, long time. But technically the same thing happened to Romania as well because we were part of the same socialist bloc. And uh, just like in the 90s, uh, Romania got rid of Ceausescu and uh, his dictatorship. Same thing happened to us. We uh, proclaimed our freedom and uh, we proclaimed ourselves as a republic in the 90s. So um, the harshest uh, period was probably 94, 95. Oh, damn. So you lived that. I did. So, so I was, I was uh, sorry, my, my train of thought was thinking, was it your parents or you that had a hardest? And so you, right. It's, wow. it's, um, well, all of us uh, technically. Um, so the Soviet Union uh, collapsed in, uh, I think, 86. Uh, but it came to us. And we actually realized it mm. uh, and proclaimed our freedom in the, um, the 90s. So 
like 91, um, 92, we had a war with the Soviet uh, troops at some uh, point, which is still a frozen conflict. Uh, there's, you were asking about Transnistria the other day, and that is the remnant of, of, of what happened in the 90s. About what? Trans Transylvania? Tr no, Transnistria. I was? You were. <laughs> okay. <laughs> By text, you actually asked me about Transnistria. So, so this is one of those um, pieces of the country that, that is still under the uh, occupation of, of the Soviet troops. Oh, now I know what you're talking about. Right. Yes. Okay. So, so yeah, probably 94, 95 was, was, was the hardest time because um, in... So like, na now there are still Soviet troops? Yes. It's just called the 14th uh, Army. Is it like a uh, like a warlord thing? They just have this area and their guns and correct. Wow. Yes. So 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 imagine uh, this country being part of the Soviet bloc, right? Yeah. Uh, there there's military all over the place in every single city, every single republic, as they call it at the time, mm -hmm. Republic of the Soviet Union. Uh, when when the Soviet Union collapsed, um, most of the troops in the Soviet Union um, basically re retracted went back uh, to their home went back into their to the to, the, to uh, Mo Moscow or whatever yeah Russia and uh, but this troop specifically did not decided not to leave so huh. um, they they fought and um, we just couldn't uh, were, were they originally Moldovian or were they originally from somewhere else so basically what they do is they send Russian uh, military to um, occupy because if you use locals, locals. that's probably going to result in a coup or okay so these russian guys were like well i don't really want to go home i'd rather right, stay exactly. here and, and they created their own republic they huh. they proclaimed themselves as a, the republic of transnistria and well, so logistically how do they eat what do they where they the have money come from it's russia <laughs> sure yeah okay. it's coming from russia they have very um very good relationship with Russia. They they're still uh, in a position where uh, they get a lot of supplies from 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 the Russian government, and oh. same thing as it happens right now in uh, Crimea. It's yeah. Same exact um, story. Uh, if you actually look at the post-Soviet map, mm -hmm. you will see a lot of countries that have the same exact scenario where Russia wants to keep some force. Exactly. Okay. And they, they don't care about the land itself. They actually care about the influence. So um, they're trying to grab as much as they can. Yeah. And I don't want to turn this into political conversation, but it, it is the reality. It's, it's relevant to the history of right. Moldova. Yeah. Right. So what was the harshest or the saddest memory that you have, the harshest time during that 19 <laughs> Woof. 40, no, or sorry, 1990s through 1995, what was the harshest time that you had? I think the uh, the chaos. Uh, probably the the saddest memory was when um, uh, there was a gang of of, of um, grown up men that uh, almost attacked us mm. while we were in the public. Uh, like you were hanging out with some other kids and no no I, that was actually me and my fam my 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 parents and we're oh. tra we're traveling to my grandma's house. She lived outside the city. And basically the guy came with a knife and they took our money. So in the 90s, especially 93, 94, 95, because of the crisis, mm -hmm. you would see a lot of um, uh, gangs yeah. form, forming up. And as, as weird as it sounds, it was actually following the, the Russian um, model of the, mm -hmm. of the mafia. So it, it was real. It was real mafia. It was yeah. real... Um, 
groups uh, of 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 um, of people that basically were doing whatever they wanted. So yeah. um, they put up their their hands on um, like public uh, like factories and yeah. And, and they were basically running uh, the the post-Soviet countries, starting from Russia to all the the rest of them. And it was pretty sad because there were the the police didn't have any type of influence. They didn't have any no power at all. Um, they were underarmed. They were under um, funded. Mm. Um, so so for a couple of years, for a couple of good years, yeah. uh, the Russian mafia was running the the show. Mm. And um, wow. if that was one of the the moments that probably kind of uh, made me um, think and made me realize that we're not in a good place, right? Mm. When when that happened and uh, it was happening a lot, uh, you would, anybody who would try to open a business would get in trouble because they would come and ask for money or right. they would close your business or even worse, um, hurt your family. Mm. So um, that was pretty bad. Uh, at some point, I, I remember when, when I was walking in my neighborhood, when I was only seven or eight, eight years old, probably a bit older than that, but at some point I saw a couple of Mercedes-Benz black, uh, mm. um, I think they call them S-100s. Sure. Uh, the big ones. Like remember, a limo like, looking. Exactly, like yeah. the one Tupac uh, was, was, was driving. <laughs> why, why are you going to bring um, Tupac into this, man? <laughs> well, it, because it's kind of the same thing. The, the, guy, the guy was riding a um, armed car, right? yeah. uh, and that, that was the exact same car I saw on the, on the road, um, abandoned. And when I got closer to it, I saw bullets, like hundreds of bullets in all, all three cars. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually they didn't go through because the, the window uh -huh. was, was um, like four or five layers yeah. thick. Um, so that, that was kind of a picture of, of how the, the things were at the time. Yeah. Even though we were kids, we would definitely understand what's going on. We, we knew yeah, it. Yeah, some bad shit. Yeah. And yeah, you would hear a lot of gunshots. And, um, but at some point, I mean, at some point they just, the government decided to uh, just stop this whole nonsense and they just, uh, I think they gathered all of the, they call, call them the Godfathers huh. or um, oh, there's this another is why name you like for those it. Movies. Well, if there's another name, it's called, uh, in Russian it's Vorev Zakonya, which means uh, the, the thief-in-law. 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 Yeah. And they would just gather all of them and yeah. they executed all of them. And, and that's when the, the mafia um, era ended. Okay, so the government cleaned up the mafia and it's much better now than it was. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow, absolutely. okay. Yeah. We, we've been through a couple of governments since then. I'm just going to move. Uh, a couple of governments since yeah. then. But in my mind, as bad as it sounds, uh, I think we're, 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 we're getting to a better place. Yeah. The, um, so growing up around that kind of crime and that kind of violence, do you think that is, I, I know you enjoy American mafia movies as, as entertainment, right? Right. Do you think that kind of childhood kind of planted the seed? It did. Well, I think for any any child if you when when they see all the wealth and they see all the authority that some people have especially when when you watch a movie with with uh yeah the renowned marlon brando with his charisma and and the way he talks of yeah. course you're gonna get well like oh i want to be that guy you want to be that guy <laughs> <laughs> i want to be that guy <laughs> so absolutely a better impersonation I think so. than you do <laughs> i haven't seen it in so many years <laughs> 
I could just Top Gun better. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely. I think that is one of those things that... Um, well, it's weird to me because it's clearly like a traumatic negative thing to experience in life. And then it's strange to enjoy that as entertainment later. You I know, mean, they're not the same. I know, right. And I, to be honest, I never thought about this, but I think I never actually made the connection between the two. Because one of them is reality, one of them is the thing that I've actually experienced, the other one is fiction, yeah. which is actually true as well because it is based on true, um, yeah. true events. But the way Hollywood romanticizes um, mm -hmm. uh, movies like these, they, there's no way you, you will despise them. Or so if I ever uh, cut off a horse's head and sneak it into your bed. That would be really bad. <laughs> no, you wouldn't be like, ah, oh, I get it for that movie. You wouldn't be like thrilled. Well, if it's made of plastic, I would probably laugh, but okay. don't, don't, please don't cut. Please don't cut no one's head. <laughs> I love animals. Don't do that, especially horses. <laughs> yeah. All right. right. Don't do that. What do you think that that history for you when you reflect on yourself, your personality traits, what, what, what are some of the personality traits that you take from that history? He's like, always are, breaking people's knees now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you break people's knees? Are you more conservative money? Do you, do you play in stocks? Are you more of a gambler? Right. Okay. So, um, so I am not a violent person. <laughs> Number one. There's <laughs> a lover, not a hater. Uh, what that brought me was probably, um, I can't really enjoy, um, I enjoy dramas and I, I enjoy thrillers because of the fact that I've kind of seen the reality of, of life in a different perspective and um, from a different perspective. And mm. when I, whenever I see people that are trying to be tough and, you know, uh, it's like Godfather wannabe, it's a little bit funny. Yeah. Uh, because just like you said, um, the correlation between the two, right? You don't, it's not funny. It is not fun. Yeah. And uh, people died in the 90s. Uh, yeah. People died uh, because of that. People died because of those uh, bad guys that um, tried to um, grasp as much as they could. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I think uh, I matured a little bit faster because of that, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and to answer your question about gambling, I do not gamble. <laughs> I don't like to gamble. The only gambling that I, that I am doing is probably the stock market. But uh, in my mind, that's still better than um, than gambling itself because you are investing in real companies and uh, you're giving someone else a an opportunity to grow their business. Yeah. Which, by the way, reminds me that yesterday, uh, our, um, one of my favorite um, investors of all time, uh, Richard Branson, finally was able to fly his uh, rocket ship into space. And mm. um, I'm very happy. <laughs> and this is one of the companies that I actually invested in. So I'm happy it didn't blow up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it happened in the past. This is, the, I think, the third or the fourth attempt. Yeah, rockets. Is no, this is no joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But yeah, I think this is one of the traits that um, that came with it. So, so, so in that uh, transition from the Soviet Union, it went into a very rough time. Uh, you said that it was good to have uh, free health insurance and education. Is that still the case now, or was that different under? The it old is still the case, uh, but it's getting more complicated now. Um, so the Soviet ideology was everybody gets free, like health insurance, uh, health care, and free uh, education. Mm -hmm. And by the way, um, the Soviet Union had one of the best schools in the world. 
mm-hmm. when you're talking about physics, mathematics. Um, great mathematicians. Yeah. Yes. And uh, great chess players. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> they did have, they still do have a lot of good schools. Yeah. And even though the teachers over there are severely underpaid, uh, sometimes I actually look back and I'm, I'm so grateful to my teachers and, and the, the, oh, nice. the people that were involved in the uh, educational system. Um, and um, I, I definitely think they, um, they deserve a lot more than they, they, right. they do now. I mean, uh, they're, they're severely underpaid. That's, that's, that's as easy as that. Gotcha. So um, looking back, <clears throat> sometimes I actually want to talk to some of the youth Mm. Uh, and explain them like, look, man, you're getting free education and it's one of the best in the world. Mm. So get it. Because what happens is with this transition to capitalism, um, a lot of their parents, like kids' parents actually left, especially in the 90s with the crisis and all that. They left, they fled the country to um, uh, make some more money and they would send back their... um, Yeah, things are terrible enough. You're like, well, anywhere might be better. Let's give it a shot. Right, exactly. Let's go somewhere. So they would leave their kids and they would go to countries like Italy, Spain, Portugal, France, mm. Germany, and they would work there and they would send money back home. What that brought though was kids that are kind of in a very spending uh, mode. Right. And they, most of the kids would just not care about going to school oh. and, 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 and enjoying and actually um, getting the most out of it yeah you know? and now looking back i think that's a big mistake because yeah again it, there's one opportunity and this is this is one like yeah, getting well, free education is but that's terrible you know basically those kids and those parents are forced to have an absent parent situation right and of course you're gonna have some problems some some dysfunction right being raised by your by your grandma and your grandpa is not the same so yeah, yeah. you're right it's basically compensating in a way yeah right do you have um, cousins that have kids? So the next generation, do you have any ties with uh, Madovian family? And do you see that next generation? How do you, do you see them more spoiled? Do, they see, do you see them pushing education more? Or do you see them more lazy because capitalism has come, come in? Well, I think it's a uh, case by case. Sorry, um, let, let me rephrase that. Capitalists, came, maybe capitalism came in and gave fortunate situations to the economy and therefore let the parents spoil their kids. I didn't mean to say that capitalism causes people to be lazy right well uh again it's a it's a based on a case-by-case scenario because i've seen um kids that were like raised in poor families right and yeah. and now they're doing amazing things they uh they they finish school they're very educated and they're trying to uh, achieve as much as they can mm. based on their possibilities and 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 they're doing really well on the other side <laughs> i see a lot of my friends and even um cousins that are in a very good material situation and uh, they have money, but their kids, like you said, are very spoiled. And, um, Mm. but it's, I think it's based on, on the way their own parents were raised. So uh, at this point, I don't think it has anything to do with capitalism in general and the transition. Um, I'll, I'll just add on when I see Vietnam as it's, I feel like Vietnam's a, communist capitalist society it's 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 behaving capitalist but the government is technically communist authoritarian so there's a 
you can be as capital as you want, a capitalist as you want up to the line. Yeah. And yeah. when you hit that line, it's a hard line. So I see that as Western advertising, Western techniques of business work ethics, nine to five, all that as it's coming to Vietnam, I feel like it's, it's following America consume, 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 buy, buy a Mercedes, buy BMW, buy a big house, get a big loan. It's all moving in that direction. Um, do you see aspects of that? I do see that trend a lot. Um, if 20 years ago, um, the idea was in order to have a house, you would have to, um, save a lot of money. And when you have the, the final amount that you can actually use to buy the house, that's, that's when you, you do it. Um, I've seen a lot of, um, like the transition to actually getting a mortgage, which is a good thing. I definitely see see that as a good thing. The opportunity of uh, for a twenty year old to actually get into a mortgage that's amazing because mm-hmm. in the past you would see kids living with their parents until they're forty, and that's it's pretty tough, <laughs> and it's sad <laughs> still, at the still same time. Still trying to save up until you're forty. Exactly. So oh, yeah, but now having that opportunity, uh, it's definitely a good thing. Um, but that comes with uh, the consumerism, like you said, and it is following yeah. the uh, the Western trend uh, for sure. Um, again, when it comes to uh, possibilities and with the new era and with the new generation, yeah, uh, I think especially now with with uh, with companies hiring overseas, right? Mm-hmm. I would actually you would actually see a lot of uh, companies from U.S. that are uh, recruiting mm. in Moldova, um, especially IT, yeah. um, uh, like, I don't know, like call centers, yeah, and, which is definitely a big help. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a big help. So, uh, if you, I think if I look back, I definitely think now, uh, this generation has a lot more opportunities that, than we did when we were young. So, so the future is looking good. It, it, it is. Uh, okay. I mean, it, and it, I think Positive. it has something to do with the globalization in general. Yeah. And um, um, it's definitely, I see, I definitely see a bright future for, for a lot of, a lot of people. If you had one message to give to the new Madovian generation, what would it be in two sentences or less? Maybe go to school and learn as much as you can, because it's definitely going to help you in the future. And, um, Especially like when it's guy. free. <laughs> what is that? You sound like an old guy. <laughs> well, I am an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you spoiled bastards. <laughs> study the math. <laughs> the uh, the work the the move was it the travel and work program? Yeah. Um, should we uh, back up before that? I, I want to ask about that, but do you think uh, did we not cover? Do you happen to think we didn't cover enough of the? Uh, no, just yeah. whatever's interesting. I'm trying to. I see Andre as a unique window into a place that. Americans are not familiar with. We don't know a lot about Eastern Europe. And certainly I bet you 99 out of a hundred Americans couldn't tell you a damn thing about Moldova. That is right? correct. It's a small, yes. small country that we, we do, there's no oil there. So we're not interested. So, so yeah, well, you know what? I was actually, I watch a lot of YouTube and especially, um, video blogs with, with people traveling around the world. And there's this guy called bald, bald and, um, broke something like that. Uh. He exclusively travels to Eastern Europe and those countries that are like very, very unknown, very unknown. Yeah. So this guy was actually saying, because he did his research and I, and and then I did it myself too. Although it's actually one of the the least traveled countries in the world. Yeah. So that was kind of sad, but in a way 
it's it's so small that uh, there's not a lot of people know about it. Right. It, but in all reality, uh, it's a beautiful country. Mm. It is a beautiful country, and it's very it's very green. It's it's as it has beautiful castles and and beautiful mm. monasteries. It has uh, very beautiful old sites from from like hundreds and thousands of years ago, and you can actually see the history the way it is. Getting um, cool castles. Absolutely beautiful ones. Oh. Um, so let's uh, comparing that to U.S. I mean, Moldova has thousands and thousands of years of history. Yeah. Uh, U.S. has only what like three hundred years of history. Yeah. Four. That, yeah. Two, yeah. Two. I think two. Well, well uh, they, with oh, America, okay. Vespucci yeah, yeah, is okay, a little okay. bit older than that. Yeah. So. Let's not discount the Native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, then you can go thousands of years back. <laughs> I seen hieroglyphics. <laughs> So uh, in all reality, there's there's a lot of beautiful places to to visit and travel to. Um, is that we just have to make it uh, more you know um, known well known, yeah. But yeah. I think it's gonna get better, especially with the with the internet nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is the biggest invention of humanity um, after electricity, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no internet without electricity. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think with the internet, uh, you're going to see a lot of changes, and especially when it comes to uh, traveling to countries like like. Well, so so as an American, could I book a vacation to Moldova? Would it be a good time? Yeah, well, you would definitely have a good time for sure. Um, okay. There's uh, a new, well, not a new program, but uh, one of the programs that I find very attractive is the they call it agro tourism. You just go around and get angry at everybody. Agro. Agriculture. Like agriculture. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> You want some of this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do that too. They're going to give you. Um, <laughs> Don't um, fuck with me. <laughs> Sorry. So, so basically what happens is uh, they develop, um, uh, like in the countryside, uh, they built uh -huh. very old uh, looking and um, houses that are built per the uh, you know, plans and and uh techniques of the 1800s oh like a where, traditional style right houses and yeah. uh, they have garden uh, a big garden outside and uh, -huh. uh there's a host that actually take care of takes care of you mm -hmm. so you um you go there they give you a, uh, the house for a couple of weeks mm -hmm. even months if you want to and they uh, will feed you um you know, like veggies and fruits from the garden that are oh. super uh, GMO free, whatever. Yeah. Um, It'll cleanse your toxins right out. Oh, exactly. And then um, <laughs> I think that's that's one of those um, activities that you probably won't be able to see um, anywhere else in the world. So, that, so that's like a bed and breakfast with the food source right outside the window. Correct. And you have oh, the cows okay. and you have the sheep and you have everything outside and you can you have access to all those things. What was the name of it? Agro. Agro. Tourism, Agritour and then is that does that involve a company that does a visa thing, or is that how's that? Is well, it technically, you don't need a visa to get uh, into Moldova. I think it's a one-time fee that you pay at the uh, the customs, mm. and then you're good. They're not worried about anybody trying to break into Moldova. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Wait, they, so do I have to like grow the carrots, or does somebody else grow the someone, carrots? Someone else does it for okay. you. But if gotcha. you want, they can actually rent you uh, a whole. Uh, they call it gospoderia, which is um, uh, like a ranch. A ra oh, ranch, yeah. Like well, ranch. so I'm a lazy American. I don't go on vacation and work, and right. like gardening and stuff. They will take care of you for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah i think i think that's one of those things that uh you you can definitely enjoy over there and traveling around the country in general um now with the with the transition and the possibility of the Republic of Moldova being part of the uh, of the European Union, mm-hmm. which we're, we are in the process. Um, yeah, yeah, we got a long application. It is a long application and you have to fulfill a lot of requirements to be part <laughs> of, uh, first of all, European Union, then NATO. Um, so with that, you can actually travel uh, freely yeah. uh, around the, Europe and, and you can Across the the border with, um, with Wait, a lot. So, so if Moldova joins the European Union and gets into NATO, yes, what does that mean for those uh, Russian warlords that are hanging out in that little? Well, to be honest, it's one of those chicken and egg uh, type of uh, situations where yeah, uh, you can't really be part of NATO. If there's a frozen conflict. This is what they call it a frozen conflict yeah. in your country. That is a frozen conflict yeah. because uh, there's like pacifists there as well. Yeah, so. It is kind of a pain or yeah. like one of those sticks <laughs> yeah. in your wheel that will not allow you to actually do it. So the first the first step is to actually get that troop out of uh, out of the country. How many how many dudes are we talking? Like a thousand or I 10, think thousand? last time I checked there were like fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand Russians yeah. hanging out in Moldova. Right. The army itself. Yeah. Um so you, I'm sorry if nobody else wants to talk about it. I find it fascinating. This is something we never knew. Well, yeah. I'll tell you a fun fact about that. So one of the reasons <laughs> why why those guys don't want to leave is uh, they open their own businesses in yeah. the country. Now, actually, one of the biggest employers of that city, which is Bender, um, is it Bender or Tigina? Uh, I think they're actually it's actually the same thing. So no, actually in Tiraspol, this is the second city uh-huh. in Transnistria. One of the biggest employers is the one of the generals yeah of the the um, the army the, mm-hmm. the soviet army and he is basically the the godfather of the whole the whole yeah. country and he runs everything so because he's got the guns so that's he's power, got right? the guns and the money now yeah and he's getting the the finance he gets finance from he gets help from russia yeah. yes yeah where do you I see oh so so in, in my uh, like in reality it's going to be really hard to get rid of those guys because there's yeah there's too much money involved and uh, mm. that the guy actually built himself a stadium a, a stadium that was approved by the um, yeah. european uh, federation or international federation of, of mm. soccer so it's it's big weird yeah <laughs> right it's where do you see it uh where would you guess obviously no one could predict where would do you see that gov- the Moldovan government and the the geopolitical issues in five ten and twenty years from now and then also right. do the Monovian people, the commoners, can they even grasp? Because maybe you have a more global view nowadays, mm-hmm. and they—I don't know if their set they, their news that they get is might might be more local or even I don't know if propaganda is in there. So right. Well, there is a lot of propaganda for sure. Uh, there are a lot of TV channels and uh, in general media is very controlled um, hmm. by the Russian government because of the fact that they're financing it. So in all reality, you could say that, oh, it's a free country. There shouldn't be any uh, outside influence. But when there's money, 
there is yeah. influence. So um, you can get me to do some fucked up shit for enough money. <laughs> right. No, that is correct. You know my price. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I have like a $2 million price tag. I'll do anything. $2.1 $2. million. <laughs> yeah. Lim will leave his morals at the door. I'll kill a horse and put it on Andre's bed if you need. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh, come on. It's like 100 grand most. I mean, $2 million is a lot for the horse. But I'll do <laughs> You know you got somebody that will do it for $2 million. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very positive when it comes to that, uh, especially because uh, last year, was it last year? Um, we had the presidential elections. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in history, we had a lady, a woman being elected as the, as the president. And she's mm -hmm. actually representing the party that is um, for democracy, for Europe, for um progressive things absolutely yeah and 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 the lady uh, her um her degree is actually um she got her degree at um uh, if i'm not mistaken cambridge cambridge yep oh yeah and she did work in the united states for a long time for the monetary fund mm -hmm. so she has a lot of diplomatic experience and i she's definitely the the most fit mm. uh politician at this moment in Republic of Moldova for the, uh, for the position of, 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 of president. That's great news. Yeah. So, so I, am, I am actually positive when it comes to that. We have elections in a couple of months for the parliament. So um, as, as much as I am concerned, um, I think uh, that uh, one of the drivers that are gonna change the, the way politics um, move or develop in Republic of Moldova is actually those people that are, out, are outside of the country. Mm -hmm. Because last time in the last elections, the, the decisive vote was of the people from, we call it the diaspora, mm -hmm. uh, the people outside uh, the country that voted for, um, her name is Maya. Oh, so Romanians that are working in other places, or oh, sorry, Moldovans. Moldovans that are yeah, outside the country, yeah. So say they're working in Italy or something and they could send their vote back. Right. Not only work, but actually live because okay. you can have dual, dual citizenship. Yeah. So you can be an American and at the same time be a Moldovan and be able to vote. That is weird. I mean, it'd be weird if I was living in Japan for like 10 years mm -hmm. and then I'm going to go vote on the U.S. president. I would feel like well, I'm kind of not over there. Why the fuck am I voting? Well, but, but, well you're, part, you're still part of uh, you're still a citizenship of that country. Yeah. So you do have the right to um I mean if I was paying taxes yourself. back, I would think yes. Right. Well, you know what? I've heard that from older people in my country. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're outside Moldova, you're not supposed to vote. Like yes, we are. Uh, one of the reasons why people actually fled and left the country is because they couldn't um take it anymore. Yeah. So so people and you guys know this very well, people leave their countries not because they want to, because they have to. They're yeah. forced to actually get out of the country, find a better uh, opportunity, and yeah. especially when you have kids. It's not, a desperate situation. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care how you're going to get that piece of bread or mm. clothing. Um, and you have to do have make to make sure that, that they will. Yeah. And they will have a decent um, No, when life. you put it like that, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Like, hey, I didn't want to be in Italy. I had Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a, there, it is a big problem. And yeah. I was listening to the psychologist the other day, and it's one of the biggest problems in Eastern Europe in general. And it doesn't all, only affect Moldova. It's uh, all the post-Soviet countries like 
Romania, uh, Ukraine, Belarus, um, Poland, Georgia, even Poland. Czech. Well, Pol- the Poland, uh, Poland is it's actually doing pretty well. Oh, even the it, even the the Baltics are doing pretty well because they're always a little bit more developed than. than I heard one time else. that uh, a lot of the IKEA furniture is made in Poland. Or it s- might be, yeah. Is that uh, there's a lot of companies that outsource? So absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that that was my point. Um, I mean, uh, they people just left the country because they had to, not yeah. because they wanted. That makes sense. Yeah. What would be some Moldovan Moldovian culture? Sorry, I wasn't trying to take your votes away. I was just learning. <laughs> Tell me <laughs> something, about, something about the culture that people uh, commonly don't know about or something that's maybe even very common about Moldovian. Am I saying Moldovian? Moldovans. 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 Uh, you can say Moldavians, Moldovans. I don't even know what's the right term. <laughs> Moldovan? Yeah. Moldovan culture. Yeah, yeah I would say. Yeah. So I think if someone from outside would come to our country, they would describe us as very polite and um, welcoming, for sure. This is probably the first two words that I hear. Nice. Um, if, um, and it's true, actually. Um, even I, if, if I go to someone's house, um, I would probably end up spending there a couple of hours at least. Uh, the first will be a tour of your house. Mm-hmm. They will show everything they have. They will show the, you their, their house, their garden, whatever they have, the garage, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then they will go, they will take you to the kitchen yeah. and you will probably have the best meal of your life <laughs> Wow! because usually uh, the, uh, the mother or the, the, the wife mm-hmm. has, um, she's very skilled in the kitchen. So she mm-hmm. cooks a lot. And, There's a lot of uh, pride in those. She takes a lot of pride in those. If you yeah. actually see, um, uh, uh, t- the table, uh, on a um, Christmas night or mm. even like a, a birthday party. Yeah. Um, it's, it's full of food. It's, it's, and there's so many uh, different dishes that, that they cook. Mm. Um, so it's a definite feast for sure. Uh, so you would probably end up eating at their table, tasting their wine and mm. 99% of the time you would actually end in, um, in a so-called cellar. I don't know where this is going. Well, I am telling you where this going. <laughs> I like so, where it's going. So, th- so th- there's, it's very, um, especially if like- Like a basement? It is a basement, yeah. Okay. It's normally a basement. So- Cellar sounds nicer. This is what we call bish. Bish. Bish, uh, which is the basement that has a cellar. Okay. So well, normally um, outside the city, of course, because uh, right. life in, in, in the the city life is you get a little no up, different than you get you a little here. apartment, right? R- right. Okay. So- Outside the city, people have big houses with big yards, yeah. big gardens, and normally they have a cellar with the besh. And <laughs> 99% of the time, like I said, they will invite you um, to the besh, and yeah. most probably you will end up going home drunk. Okay, so they're hiding all the good alcohol down in the cellar. Very good alcohol, by the way, which is moonshine most of the time. Yeah. I was going to ask, so is it homemade? Oh, yeah, it is homemade. Most of the time it is homemade. And it's... Um, but it's not, it, we don't usually distill any type of um, like vodka or yeah. um, uh, we call it cognac or whatever. Um, but most of the time you will see um, a lot of wine being Well, made. so if, if I'm invited over for dinner and we're having a nice dinner, yeah. if I'm a real asshole, I'm not going to get invited down to the bish. 
they might probably try to um, fix you. <laughs> <Was it? laughs> if you're being an asshole, they will try to fix you. So they're like, they'll ask themselves, maybe he needs a drink or something. Yeah. <laughs> so they will try to fix you by offering you, you calm some Calm down, some friend. <laughs> yeah. Let's okay. see who you are. On Let's the, check you out. On the dinner table, what's a common uh, Moldovian dish? So there's several, uh, several ones. Um, I think one of my favorite is uh, stuffed um, bell pepper with rice and meat. This mm. is very common. Um, same thing is wrapped um, vine leaves mm-hmm. uh, with, with rice and meat. Oh, the grape leaves? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Grape leaves, I'm sorry. No, um, you're right. the, that's very common. And then we have, um, a, it's called placinta, which is basically, I don't even know how to explain it. That's looks uh, looks like an enchilada, not an enchilada, but was it Mexican? Um, Taquito. No, like the the, the round ones. Quesadillas. Uh, quesadillas. Oh. So the quesadillas with with cheese and um, parsley, nice. which are which go very well with wine. There's you cannot. It's <laughs> it's almost a sin to to eat one of those quesadillas with, which we call placenta <laughs> and not have wine. Yeah. It's like. You know, just like you can throw that away. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Taco Bell? Is there any uh, restaurants <laughs> in town here that make good uh, Moldovian food? Um, so we don't have any Moldavian restaurants or Romanian, but there is a restaurant called BG Bistro, which serves Bulgarian food, but they're trying to be as uh, broad as possible. So they're basically cooking any type of Eastern European that food. That region. Right. Yeah. So if you, I mean, once in a while, we would go there with some friends and, and have dinner it's definitely very close to what we used to have at did, home did you watch our wine tasting podcast no i will that's freaking awesome <laughs> well, no, they, i'm just laughing because you're did saying they bring wine yeah yeah we had we had a full uh wine pairing board uh shark shark charcuterie board <laughs> shark, shark coochie i'm shark gonna say shark coochie is funny um shark, shark coochie board and then three three or four wines i think four wines it was fantastic and we had a sommelier here so he was telling oh, us that's awesome yeah he is he's a certified sommelier so he's telling us exactly which pairs with what and explained to us oh, well, i want to do it with uh quesadillas from moldovia <laughs> well we'll have to invite uh and andre and carl back together right <laughs> i'll bring the placente and he can bring all the wine Andre's bringing the Pushinta. Pushinta? <laughs> Placinta. Placinta. Yes. So that's one. And then probably the most common um, is some a sort of um, polenta, if you guys know how that looks like. Is that like a rice-looking Ital- pasta? Italian polenta, is, it's like um, um, a porridge made of corn. Oh. And that, okay. So that's the base, yeah. basically, right? And you have cottage cheese with um, slow-cooked pork. Mm. And basically what you do, you take a piece of, you, you eat that with your hands, no. Not a spoon? No spoon, no fork. That's the best way to eat it. Wait. Just like it? chicken. <laughs> eat, you have to eat chicken yeah, But it's a porridge, hands. right? Well, like but it's thick. Yeah. It's very thick. Okay. So you take, basically you take a piece of that porridge, right? Yeah. You make a ball, like, and, and you fill it with, um, with cottage cheese and and meat, yeah, and we we make a so-called uh, we call it gogwasha, gogwasha, and that's the most amazing thing you can have. Is yeah. it almost more like sticky rice than porridge? Yes, it it is like sticky sticky rice, but it, it's made of corn. Ah, gotcha. Right, corn is okay. I'm gonna ask a question that I, I think doesn't 
there's no good side to it, but I'll just Go ahead. ask it. <laughs> um, is there any cultural things currently in Mo- Moldova, Moldovian culture okay. that you wish that they would change? Like things that uh, maybe the, I'll, I'll, I'll answer mine if I were to if someone were to ask me about right. Vietnamese culture. The thing that I see about the Vietnamese culture is they're not um, they're not up with the times. They're, they're, we got so much technology, Google, blah blah blah. And as traditions and things, economy move as economies move and money comes in. I think there's certain things where tradition does play a valuable role in some things, but don't hold back movement. So that's the thing I would say about Vietnam. Right. Oh, I could say the same thing about America. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't, I've never thought about that, but yeah. Well, I know exactly where you're going with this. So, okay. So I had a, um, an incident recently. (laughs) So I hadn't had Facebook for a long time. Um, so I just, my mom called me like, dude, like all your cousins, all your, you know, family wants to know what you're doing. So you just oh, go yeah. ahead and open up an account. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to open it and I'm going to add some pictures to it. Yeah. What I've realized that there's one phenomenon that's happening right now, especially uh, like in a countryside over there, right? Mm-hmm. So you will see uh, people uh, having access to the internet, having access to Facebook. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, that's amazing. But at the same time, um, they use Facebook as one of those platforms to, you know, show off. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, ah. you know what? I bought myself a new car. Everybody has to know that I have a new mm. car. Oh, I posted something. You didn't like my picture. I'm not going to talk to you for a month. Mm. And that's actually, it sounds silly and it sounds funny, but that's what ha- what's happening because my cousin called me. She's like, do you know what? The other cousin won't talk to me. I'm like, why? Well, because uh, I didn't like her picture. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, is that what is that what you guys are using the internet for? <laughs> like, how, how quickly the social media can derange people. Exactly. And then they wow. don't talk for years. So <laughs> I'm like, that's not why you are using the internet. That's not what's it for. Yeah. So this is probably one of the things that I would love to change. Uh, like I previously mentioned um, with globalization and when, uh, with, the, um, with the internet, uh, being available and more available to mm-hmm. any part of the world, um, I would see that as an opportunity to actually increase uh, the, the, you know, your own well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many, so many ways to to make money nowadays working from home. This is one. This is what I want people to focus on instead of, you know, using it for like social media. Um, in that case, right, and and uh, basically transiting um, outside conflicts in the online platforms <laughs> yeah that doesn't make any sense to me you know yeah by uh, uh, going back to the Amer- if that statement that i said applies to america i would yeah. i would pick two other things that i think uh would help america more in my opinion um more more empathy and more kind of um less snowflake don't feel like you're a snowflake i feel like a lot of americans not i don't, I don't think us but yeah i feel like a lot of americans are like i'm american i'm i get to do whatever i want i'm a snowflake so that don't be a snowflake have some empathy and then the political interest corporate interest at, at is, the isn't snowflake level. more like don't hurt my feelings i thought it was unique because every snowflake is supposedly unique yeah i'm special i i i kind of associate that term with uh like a lack of toughness and mm. being so fragile mm. Mm. like it's so easy to break somebody yeah yeah uh i well i mean i'm guessing the other thing you're describing is being an obnoxious righteous you know, self, mm-hmm. self-righteous American. Yeah. Feeling, feeling like we're better than other people for no good reason or yeah. feeling we're, we're stronger or richer or by, by some, by some magical property. I mean, 
yeah, you're lucky to be born in America. Yeah. Yeah. Did you earn it? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's, that's why I always uh, admire Mexican Americans that come across the border. Like I never ran across a border to try to get a job to send some money back to my family. Like how shitty is your situation that you're trying to run across the desert and risking death, right? That's not, it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I've actually always really admired people who overcame so much more, you know, much more than some, some chump that was born here and had every advantage and, you know, oh, I don't have the coolest skateboard or whatever, you know, like, yeah, cry me a river, you know, it, there's look around. Do you, is there a lot of people that have a much tougher right. situation? Um, yeah. I was no, watching absolutely. a recent documentary on YouTube where there's graves along that path, uh, that crossing the Mexican border into, um, California and Texas. Mm. Um, there's just graves scattered through that desert there because people are trying to make it and they, they made the wrong turn. Yeah. And they didn't, they ran out of water. They ran out of the, out of their food and they just died. Oh, that's miserable, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that takes us back to the, the fact that necessity drives change necessity drives people in general. <clears throat> and it's, it's, it's correct. I mean, I'm actually really happy for the people that, that complain about small things. Yeah. It means that they have a beautiful life and they don't have, really <laughs> like you don't have real problems. I, I, I have so many first world problems, man. <laughs> Seriously, I do. That's, that's exactly what it is. And yeah. in my mind, that's good. But at the same time, you have to be, you have to learn how to be grateful for the small things. Uh, the other day, um, actually a couple of weeks ago, I, I watched a whole, um, season a couple like the whole show of the world war in color to um the world war two in color on oh. netflix how long um, is that that's that's pretty long <laughs> no so like 30 episodes or what's that? Uh, i think it's like 17 or 18 Holy something cow. like that the thing is um as much as i love history what that brought uh, as well was um it makes you think that hold on <laughs> there are some people that there were people in that mm-hmm. time frame and it's 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 not it wasn't a year it was if you think back the first world war was like what 1914 to 1918 mm-hmm. and then like what 21 years uh, 21 years later there was a second world war so mm-hmm. so there were people that actually survived all those things they survived the first world war they survived the great depression they say they survived the second world war mm-hmm. and there's a lot of there was a lot of blood yeah. so so in my mind for some of them and especially now with the with the conflict in israel mm-hmm. There were some people that actually, for them, a beautiful day was a day with no bombing. Yeah. There was a day with no conflict. There was a day with them not receiving a call or knowing that someone um, uh, close died. Yeah. And we live in a, in, a, in a society where everything is so accessible and everything is so easy. Yeah. And you go to work uh, and you, you, you're, you're being paid um, uh, the wages that are you know, meant to um, give you the opportunity to survive, to maybe even thrive yeah. in this society. So, and we're still ungrateful. So mm-hmm. in my mind, I think you have to, and we have to be grateful for what we have and also look forward to improving ourselves and maybe ask for more. Yeah, you can, because this is what the humanity and human, human being is is made to. They, they mm-hmm. We always want to succeed. We won't always want to um, get to a better place tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So um, I think balance is, is key for sure. Yeah. Don't find complicated things to worry about. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you like small steps as well, you know, like, you, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, when I watched the owl and sparrow movie recently, um, oh, yeah. so there's, it's a Vietnamese movie of a story of, um, 
a working lady working in, in the airplane industry as a stewardess and then a little girl that flight attendant, a flight attendant. And then a little girl that's probably nine years old. Oh, like younger than that. I think seven years old. That like an orphan. Yeah. It was an, an orphan that was treated kind of bad. So she left and now she's on her own trying to make money selling, uh, uh, roses or, or, uh, I forget the other one, but it doesn't. Um, so she has a hard life. And then it shows the story of another guy who works at a zoo who they're about to uh, give off his uh, uh, elephant that he's training. But watching the little girl, to me, I actually got teary-eyed watching yeah. the little girl struggle because with my wife, Neum, I get to see some of the hardships in her small town. Uh -huh. So her, her small town that she comes from, when I went to visit her family, um, I don't know the population, probably uh, maybe a few hundred in that town. So it's a very, very wow. small town. Yeah. Um, and you can easily, easily, I know it's a movie, but you could easily see how close that story could connect. Mm -hmm. I don't know any children of poverty in her town like that, but I'm pretty sure there is. Right. Mm -hmm. You see people of poverty that having, having poverty issues there. So anyways, uh, watching that, it opened my eyes to knowing my first world problems here. I know their first world problems. I, I say it, I, I often say I'm very privileged. I know the things I'm complaining about are first world problems. Um, but then I could also at least re reflect when I see a bad situation and just have some sympathy, right. not empathy, because oh, I've absolutely. never been there, but I could try to have some sympathy for it. Right. Well, I have actually a really good example of one of my friends, one of my, um, uh, classmates that we uh, we both went to the same school together. He, now he lives in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So she he recently married this uh, girl. She's American, mm -hmm. um, and he decided to take her home mm -hmm. uh, to his parents. The difference between him and me: I was born in the city. He was actually born in a village. Yeah. So if I don't know if you guys know, you probably have the same thing in Vietnam, where in the old uh, times, even today. You, the, you will see houses that have electricity, uh, but they do not have a bathroom or oh, yeah. let's call it a toilet. Right, modern right, plumbing. In, in the house. So yeah. technically you have a small um, shed yeah, that outhouse. has a hole in it, right? And that's your toilet. So for me growing up, because I, was, I used to spend my, the summers at my grandma, I, yeah. that was normal to me, right? Even though I was used to the fact that look, I live in a modern house in the yeah. city and I have all the commodities and I have everything that I need, but yeah. I, I knew what that is. Well, this guy tells me that when they flew back to Moldova and especially mm -hmm. his village, they actually did not have all those, um, um, all that comfort. So the, mm -hmm. the girl was supposed to use all those things that he was used to when he was a kid. Yeah. And the girl was crying. She was actually crying. And now she was not crying that she was actually um, uncomfortable. She was crying because she had no idea that some people actually still live like that. Oh, they're just crying. She's like, oh, I accidentally married a peasant. Well, I think that actually in my mind, in my mind, I think that actually made her love him even more. Yeah. Because when you survive in that type of um, environment and to go through the toughness of those years um, yeah. and that time, then you it definitely makes you a better person and, and, and more a stronger person for sure. So uh, in my mind, I think she she kind of realized and that was almost yeah. like a little <laughs> cold shower for her <laughs> because <laughs> because she woke up and said, look, those are first world problems that we have. 
back it's, home. It sounds like she was really caring about those people, though. Like she's felt I, bad I, for them. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah. she, um, she definitely appreciated her life a lot more when she came back. And this is exactly what he told me. So yeah. I'm really glad she did that. I know a big problem for me is like I'll go to a drive-through and I, you know, it's like a six-dollar burger, and all I ask for is no mustard. And these motherfuckers are gonna put mustard on it. Like <laughs> it's enough to ruin my day. <laughs> I gotta go inside and talk to the manager and explain, hey look, the one thing I asked for was no mustard. Right. Well, it, aren't they saying that the biggest um uh, fear nowadays <laughs> is to leave your home with your phone um on five percent or something like that? <laughs> so uh, yeah, those are the problems we're having today. Nowadays. Well, which I'm glad. I mean thank God. Thank God we have those problems because yeah. Again, looking back at the wars and, and the times that our um, grand grand um, parents had to go through. Yeah, tougher times. Thinking back to your childhood, what were some of your best uh, memories in in uh, Madova? So I have several, but I think the one of my best memories were we're just talking about this going to my grandparents on on in the, during the summers. So so th there's a. My parents were very busy with their work, especially when, when, when we were like out of the crisis, there were a lot of work. Yeah. So instead of just leaving me at home, they would send me to my, my grandma. Mm -hmm. And my best memories were spending time with, um, with my cousins. Wait, how um, do you know they weren't doing mafia shit while they sent you off to the farm? Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> were they richer when you came I back? don't want to know. <laughs> they, yeah, they were a lot better when I came back. So. Everybody, so, everybody retreated them a lot better. <laughs> yeah. A lot of respect. Take the kid out. <laughs> um, yeah, so so spending time um, basically on in the field because that's what we're doing. Um, yeah. uh, there were a time where, where the collect collectivism disappeared and everybody had um, cows at home. It mm -hmm. was not a collective um, society anymore because this mm -hmm. was the basis of communism, socialism at the time. You didn't own anything. Uh, everything was owned by the government, by the society. So you had mm. to like share everything, right? Yeah. Well, after the 90s, um, all those farms yeah. uh, were basically destroyed and people had um, took their part, their share. Yeah, uh, and in many instances there were cows yeah. and land. So, so the main activity for a peasant at the time was to uh, work on the land and take care of uh, animals like horses, like cows. Yeah. So, I think one of my best memories was to actually um, well, this was the the teenagers' activity at the time, and especially in the summer where not say cow tipping. Don't say cow tipping. Oh my god, no! Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a different part of the world you're referring to. I think. Yeah, stupid Americans. <laughs> no. That's not what I meant. No, Americans <laughs> would go push a cow over because they're fucking bored. No, we wouldn't do that. Actually, uh, um, it's too valuable. Living among, uh, uh, like in the, in the in the village and having so many animals around you, I think it helps you develop a very strong um, connection with the, with the, with the animals and yeah. um, being among them, I think um, that was very beneficial. So mm -hmm. my, my grandma used to have cows, uh, she had sheep, she had goat, mm -hmm. she had like anything you want. I don't think she had horses, but um, she gets, that's what Emmett wants a horse <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you probably cut his head or something. No, I'm not just running around cutting off horse heads for fun. It's only if it's a good joke for somebody who likes mob movies. Okay. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so so yeah ridiculous so so walking <laughs> walking around the the field with my cousins and taking care of those cows that, that was probably like one of the best um did you best name did you name the cow oh yeah they all had names were they like normal uh, well, human names or are there special cow so, names? So, so, you know, there's a tradition over there uh, when a cow is being born, they give the cow the name of the day she was born. So that was Sunday. The, her really? name was Sunday, yeah. Okay. Which in Romania is um, Dominica, which like short is Domana. Yeah. Domana. Right? All right. So, so you um, can have multiple cows named Domana? Yeah, yeah. Well... I never thought about that. <laughs> and nobody's lucky enough to have oh, seven cows. Yeah, 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 that is yeah, true. It's, yeah. it, you, like, yeah. you're, a, you're a very rich person <laughs> if you have more than two cows that were born on the same day. When you say that, that memory of you, uh, were you actually taking care of the animals or were you helping? No, I was just around because I was just a kid. Do they, you remember what was in your mind exactly at that moment? Just the freedom of being a kid? Or did you actually think about, wow, my parents have this plot of land and maybe that capitalist thought came you're putting a lot on a kid here well well you know what i, I like that because uh, <laughs> we did have land and especially in those crisis years uh the only th way we survived was if you would have a my parents would have an eight to five uh job mm -hmm. during the week and then the saturdays which i hated was to actually go to my grandma's house and work the land like mm -hmm. literally work the land like plowing and, and, and even though sometimes I actually look back and I'm like, ah, mom, I remember when we're like doing this and that, but she's like, Andre, do you understand that at that time, those two, three years, yeah, that potato that we got out of the land or the, the, the carrot that we got actually, uh, helped us survive the winter. Yeah. And right now, like looking back with the life that I have today, it's outrageous. It's yeah. I'm like, I can't even imagine how we were doing that. Even even if I would tell my mom, like, can you do that tomorrow? She's going to be like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to do it. I plow stuff. No, no way. <laughs> no way. Because nobody wants to go back, right, to, to those times. And um, yeah, people aren't dying to become farmers again. No. Yeah. No. Although they do have like a small garden in, yeah. um, next to their house, but it's just like, you know, like a hobby. <laughs> that, that is a fascinating thing. Like, say, if you're super poor, you got nothing if you get a cow, that cow can transform grass. Like it's, it's walking around eating all this grass and it transforms it into manure and milk and, and beef. Right. Right. Absolutely. So that's pretty, it's a close cycle over there. Pretty fascinating. Yeah. And this is one of those things that I'm trying to explain to some of my, my peers, especially here, for example, like when I, I love, uh, Mexican food for, for the, for the same reason, because they use all the parts like mm. say the body parts of a chicken right yeah you will have hearts you would have estomago which is the stomach right yeah and i love those things because this is what i'm used to yeah. and in those times especially when you live in a country that's so poor you have to use everything right. you don't throw anything out you're using everything so um yeah that closed cycle mm. is amazing yeah so Plus they also like quesadillas for, yeah. for me, uh, being around <laughs> Asian foods and eating much more of the cow than most Americans do, a lot of Americans will make fun of me for eating those other pieces of the. And right. I actually get, I actually get angry. I'm like, "Fuck you, man! If you knew that, if you didn't have food, if you were poor, if you were in poverty, you would have to eat this shit." Right. And not that it's shit. It's it's to me, it's good because I was raised. I understand right. it. I know the flavors, but. It upsets me that they are so far from 
from what uh, surviving used to be. Right. I understand mm -hmm. we are so privileged. I understand that. I wish they would understand that they're so privileged. Right. And they are so far that they can't even fathom that. Why would I eat that piece of that stomach lining or whatever else? Uh, Absolutely. A chicken is not the chicken nuggets at McDonald's. The chicken is an actual. <laughs> um, <laughs> so would you eat chicken feet? I do. Love chicken feet. Isn't it just like a bony claw? No, it has a lot of uh, gelatin. If the car uh, cartilage like or in the cartilage, uh, and, and it actually uh. creates a very like it gives a lot of even. I mean, to be honest, I haven't had that in a long time. But a month or two ago, I decided to make soup like a chicken soup, but a legitimate chicken soup with yeah. all the ingredients. So I went to a Mexican store. Actually, bought chicken feet. You cut the uh, the nails and you like clean it up real well. You wow. put it in the soup and actually gives that flavor that you will never be able to taste anywhere else. Yeah, feet flavor. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, that's exactly what okay. you said. Well, that it's the not, wrong conclusion. No, it's no, in it's the not. feet. It's you're not you're not licking the you're not you're not licking the dirt off the feet because obviously Correct. you cleaned it. But inside the foot, there's so much cartilage. There was there's a certain different type of fat in there. Gotcha. So um, you get those flavors. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're, you're right. I mean, at the time you had to use everything. And to be honest, I can't see any other food being better than that. Can you, do you guys eat uh, beef tongue? I yeah. love beef tongue. Yeah. Love beef tongue. There's like an actual uh, dish in, in our uh, Moldavian culture where you boil the beef tongue uh, and add gelatin to this, to the, um, the, um, um, the liquid mm -hmm. and it get it gets, um, it's called recitur. Mm -hmm. um, I can't even explain. I don't think there's any other country that actually has that tongue jello. Almost tongue jello, yeah. So you, you have the jello and the tongue inside. <laughs> Dude, you have no idea how good that I is. I have no idea. <laughs> it's really good. By the way, you can go to that rest, Bulgarian restaurant. You'll definitely try that. Tongue they jello. Have, they, they I just don't it. want to eat something that's tasting me back. Well, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so I, I'm willing to try uh, fried grasshoppers although this is not part of my culture yeah. and you wouldn't try um, tongue. Come on. <laughs> no, I didn't ask you to eat fried grasshoppers. <laughs> but I would. <laughs> I, I think I'd be okay with tongue. Putting it in a jello is kind of weird. Well, jello is amazing, by the way. That jello is really <laughs> good. Okay, yes. now I have a question for you guys. What's the weirdest dish you guys have in, in Vietnam? In Vietnam, um, either... There's a spicy soup that has uh, congealed blood in it, right? Is that a, a bom bao way? So it's a, a way is the city. Bom, bom is the noodle. It's like just a thick round noodle. Mm -hmm. And then uh, bom ba, ba is uh, beef. So beef, noodle, and hui is the city. Hui, uh, their spices, they're, they're more spicy. They have, there's more spices grown there. So the soup is a spicy beef soup. From way. Um, from way, yeah, from way. Nice. Um, but oh, in, inside there is a... Um, Congealed, uh, congealed blood, uh, por pork blood, cow blood, blood. I forget. I, I don't remember. Um, it, it's blood just blood. Yeah, it's just blood. So it's it's like it's like a hard jello. Okay. And um, so we talk about super nutrient rich, right? Is that? Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, we have something like that. We uh, we call it um, uh, sinjarata, or the in Russian it's kravavitsa. Uh, I think it's so. It's basically the same thing. It's a lot of. Um, pork fat with mm -hmm. pork blood and you basically make a um salami type like looking mm. um stick which is 
pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> if you tell me it's salami, I'll eat it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put some beef in it with some uh, jello. Yes. Um, okay. Some of the other dishes, that, uh, uh, strange dishes, I guess, uh, exotic dishes. Uh, I think it was cow brain I had. I had turtle. Is cow brain squishy? It is soft. The way they did it, it was very soft. It was like kind of like a tofu-ish. Oh, I hate tofu. But, I mean, you could see the brain. It was. It looked like a brain when you look in, in the Just movies. Just scooping it out of a bowl okay. or what? Um, they had, they had it in a soup, and the the brain was sitting in the soup, so you could still mm. see the brain. Okay. Um, Do you feel smarter? No. Well, <laughs> that's what that. they say. That's yeah. what they say. It didn't help that. Uh, then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, duck tongue was another one. Um, Very smart for a cow. <laughs> duck tongue. The only thing that's strange, they keep. I think. I think it's the jawline they keep in there. It's attached to the. I'm not positive. I think it's attached to the uh -huh. jawline. And uh, you like. Like an oyster? It, like an oyster? <laughs> uh, no, no. They they grill it. They gr oh they grill it. So you get like a, a Y. It's like a Y piece. Like a the the jaw. Is the tongue itself forked? Crap, was I eating it? Does it go back to? I don't remember. <laughs> I remember there's two pieces. The, the jaw goes out like that. So you, and I remember a Y piece. I don't know why the Y would come out. Do you bite the tongue and leave the jaw? Is that what you're talking about? You, Wait, you, is it a bill? No, no, no. It's not a bill. Duck bill. Okay, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why it was a Y shape. But anyways, yeah, you bite off the meat and then that's it. It's just the shape is weird, I think. That was the right. thing that... That was just yeah. weird to me. What, does it taste good? Uh, it was all about the... They put some barbecue sauce. I mean, you bet barbecue <laughs> sauce at anything. I, I don't care what it is. KC Masterpiece. Yeah, it's going to taste good. It wasn't. <laughs> it was like a, a peppery, peppery, salty barbecue sauce, a Vietnamese style one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you put some Tony Sachery's Cajun uh, seasoning on... Anything. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. What's the weirdest uh, dish you've had or weirdest dish in maybe uh, Madovan... Uh, Moldovan cuisine culture. Well, okay, so I mean, in my mind, there's nothing weird about it because it's right. the the things that I grew it's up comfort with. Food. Um, if you if you ask someone else, uh, probably that. Probably if I was actually watching this um, YouTube video with with Americans trying uh, Russian because that is a Russian uh, dish that we basically imported mm. um, because of the Russian influence, right? So yeah. so that is the holodets, uh, which is rechitur, which is the the meat that was boiled, and then there's the jello that comes with it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's probably the weirdest one of of all. I is, think is it in a brick? It's not in a brick. It's in a like, like long it. dish. Like so a long circa. plate, yeah, okay. yeah, it looks amazing. By the way, I'll show you later. <laughs> um, another one is uh, probably the fat. So, so we have such a um, they call it salo in in it's Ukrainian. So basically, what happens is when when uh, around Christmas you cut the pig, uh -huh. right? But um, a, a good a good landlord or a good household actually has the biggest pigs and uh, in order to make them big you have to feed them a lot and and they're very fat so there's a thick layer of fat that the pig has when mm -hmm. when he's ready to be cut and you know yeah slaughtered slaughtered correct thank you um so what they do is they cut big pieces of pieces of, of fat and like they look like bricks like you said right so I think we've um, just lost all the vegetarian viewers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, that's not me. I don't. Do drop it, it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so what they do is uh, just like Americans have um, bacon, right? Stripes of bacon. Yeah. What they do is they cut very thin slices of, of fat, which is very dense, mm. and they put it on uh, bread. Ooh. So that's something that usually we, you would have with some uh, caviar, like like actual red caviar on top, mm. and of course some vodka. Oh yeah, of course. So that's that that that's pretty weird too. Like salty? in my mind, it is salty because you put some salt. But uh, if you if you have if you're wealthy enough to have caviar on the on your table, then mm-hmm. it's already salty. So in my mind, that's pretty weird because think about it. It's it's a piece of fat yeah. on bread. That's pretty messed up. But it's well, good. I mean, but I'm not a big caviar fan either. You're not. I mean, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> I haven't been hungry enough. I got all these cheeseburgers <laughs> okay. easily available. All right. I can go drive through and complain about right. <laughs> well, Russians are well known to eat uh, caviar with yeah. spoons and drink vodka with that. So yeah, that yeah. see that's a weird thing to me. Is like how do you capture these fish eggs? Well, they act, they get a big one and they cut yep. they cut the belly and they that's exactly what they do. Do they eat the rest of the fish? No, I I guess the fish actually heals from it. I don't, uh, no, 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 they, it doesn't heal. So usually that <laughs> fish gets. Um, um, I think they, they, uh, I think they cut it in pieces and then they create this paste for animal um, as as ad, um, to feed other animals. Exactly. So, have you ever heard about um, powder, like fish powder? Mm. So what they do is, um, I don't know if it's, le- I mean, they do it here in the U.S., but I think I've seen like um, countries that use that for for um, like in order to grow animals. And actually, it's a booster for growth. Yeah, you get protein. It's, it's a lot of protein. Yeah. The, I had actually an interesting um, um, situation where my mom bought some, when I was a kid, my, my, mom, would, my mom bought some, um, some pork meat. Yeah. And uh, she was cooking it. And at some point, I thought that she was frying fish. Mm. And I couldn't understand because I'm like, mom, this actually smells like fish. Yeah. She's like, it does. And I don't know why. Then oh. we realized that probably the, the, the farm that it came from, mm-hmm. those pigs were, were uh, fed with, with uh, fish powder, mm. which, is, which is not common anymore because actually that's illegal. Um, Are you saying you are what you eat? You are what you eat. That's definitely a <laughs> good connection. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, why is it illegal to do the fish powder thing? Uh, because it doesn't taste the same. So number one, and then I think uh, now with going green and all that, all the food has to be certified. Hey, this is not pork. This is fish disguised as pork. I swear to God, that thing tasted like fish. You would eat (laughs) pork, but it tasted like fish. It's it's amazing. But you are right. You are what you eat. So now thinking of that, I thought, well, I never actually paid attention to, you know, when you you eat like read a label you don't really care where is it coming from right it's it's food but right but in all reality it does matter because um it will define the final taste mm-hmm. so how much family do you still have in Madova, and how much family do you have did they move here they're all on facebook so <laughs> <laughs> they're basically here yeah with me all the time my ad you guys all better subscribe to this channel <laughs> my ipad is ringing all the time so no i don't want to be a dick, Can you show them some bling right now <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have any family here. Um, I have friends, but I don't have any family here. My closest family is my cousin in Canada, mm. um, but all my family is back home. But I'm the only child, so if I would have a sister or brother, uh, that would probably be different. 
Yeah. But uh, are your parents still are your parents still in Moldova or still yeah. alive? Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They they're alive. They actually just talked to them an hour ago, a couple yeah. hours ago. Yeah. So they so, prefer to be there, or would they want to come to the U.S. somehow? Um, they I don't think they want to come to U.S. Uh, my, both of them work in the construction business, yeah. and uh, they're doing pretty well. So. Okay. I want them to be happy. So I'm actually, they're going to come visit me in, in October. Okay. If you ever need a family, you can call us. Thank you, man. I'm not going to eat your weird shit, but <laughs> I will we'll make you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to try pork with uh, the taste like fish? You, that's illegal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> I got you. We're going to powder up some fish yeah. and feed up a pig for a year. Right. <laughs> The uh, work and travel program, is that something that's available? Is that, that's available internationally, I'm assuming. That's all countries? Right. No, or is, we can't go work in Moldova. Well, people that want to come to America, do you have any advice for people that are looking to come to America through, uh, through work? Is yeah. That, uh, is well, that program easy to get into? It, it is easy to get into. I think the main requirement is that you actually speak some English at least. Uh, but so learning, can learning English can be a ticket to other places. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this being the probably the most used uh, language in the world, mm -hmm. it's definitely a plus to to know it. Um, well, it's all dependent on the the consul, of course, the the, the guy from the, uh, the 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 American embassy, mm -hmm. because you have to go through an interview. Um, they want to make sure that you're coming back, <laughs> right? We don't need you here. Um, so well, you trick them cause you're here. Well, I did it in a different way. So, okay. so I did use the work and travel program, but, um, and we're going to get to this soon. Um, that's like a temporary thing, right? You just do it in the, through the summer it's an experience An experience. Yeah. And, uh, I have a lot of friends that did, did it and they, they have good memories and, uh, now they look back and they say, oh, that was a beautiful time. Um, the way I immigrated to U.S. is a little bit different. Um, so there's this program called Green Card, mm -hmm. uh, the DV lottery, to be more specifically. The specific, um, basically, what happens is you know, through the diverse, uh, trying to diversify um, the the population of U.S. The U.S. government has this uh, this program that mm. gives away fifty thousand. Uh, visas. You probably guys know about this, right? No, 50, I don't know visas. About it. You don't know about this one? I'm already here. Okay, you don't care. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I don't care. I'm saying I don't <laughs> know anything about it because I haven't had to. Right, well, so it's a funny thing. You know, we're probably the most diverse nation in the world. So to have an incentive to diversify is the idea. Like we don't want all certain countries. We want to give other countries a chance to that be is a part correct. of this. And okay. that's the main, that's the main, uh, focus. Um, those 50,000 visas that they give, uh, give away every year are directed to the countries that are being represented the least 50,000 worldwide, not to worldwide. Right? Okay. Worldwide. Yeah. Yes. And because of the fact that, and it's a, it has a political aspect too, because, because of the fact that, um, the Soviet union, the countries in the Soviet union, mm -hmm. uh, pre nineties, Mm -hmm. could not actually travel to us because there was the cold war yeah um there was not a lot the population like the uh, this post uh, post soviet population in us was very low yeah yeah so now they have the opportunity to actually uh come to us and live here and get a get a citizenship so you won the lottery i did yeah what was, was uh 
do you feel there was anything that you did that that gave you an I know <laughs> that's, you a, that's a good question. Yeah, because I, I am still <laughs> I was going to try to ask you a little bit more tactfully. Yeah, I am still confused. I am still confused because I don't know exactly how the government is working. By the way, if you guys are listening, hello. <laughs> 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 you didn't check my phone last night. What happened? Are you guys busy? Um, well, I don't know how that actually works, but I think it did somehow affect because they're saying it's a lottery. But in all reality, I think there's a process. Uh, oh, only the really good looking people seem to win. Yeah, the beautiful ones <laughs> and the talented ones. Too. I, I'm, I'm theorizing because I've, I've heard about the lottery. Um, even when I heard about it, I, I wonder there's probably some type of filtering. Thing. Even they call it a lottery. I imagine they filter before picking the lottery. So meaning, so say say they have 200,000 applicants per year. Probably, they probably have more. Oh, they have millions. Of yeah, yeah. So they're probably year. looking, okay, this person has a degree. This person learned English. Um, right. This person doesn't come from a a heavily communist dictator country that could have been brainwashed. However they do that criteria, I bet you there's a filter and then you probably came through that filter because I think you, it's not, I'm guessing when you applied, you, you, you fluently knew English, you had a degree. Right. Um, I don't know what other factors that's, those are the right. things when I, when I kind of heard about this lottery, that's the things that come through. Right. I think that's how they do it uh, behind the scenes, but they're only saying that the only thing that you need to be uh, eligible to apply to this lottery is have a high school degree and some college, I think. Yeah. So do you want to stay in the U.S. indefinitely or do you feel like you'll go back one day or what do you feel is your... I honestly don't know yet. Yeah. Um, I'm very happy where yeah. I am and um, I'm definitely enjoying every single day Yeah. Um, on this... Uh, free land he has a badass vehicle by the way he's driving a dodge durango <laughs> i am very patriotic to be, yeah that is i mean it's one of those things right i've always wanted to come to us and uh, in my mind that was just uh, something uh like like a, like a dream or something unachievable but i guess the uh the stars lined up and uh, it happened nice so. what do you think the common people Moldova think of americans um, now it, it depends. Uh, the, the society is still very divided uh, for different reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is uh, we're almost like 50-50 pro-West and like 50% pro-West and 50% still pro-Russia. And you will see that a lot of that 50% are, that are um, uh, trying to like maintain that Soviet uh, mindset are the people that are like in their 80s, 70s. Mm. Um, but change is inevitable. And with time, you can actually see that the new generation has a different perspective of how things should work. Mm. And I would definitely say that the new generation, the youth, has a very good attitude towards the West and US in general. Mm. And I'm one of those people because I did grow up with Hollywood movies um, and seeing that culture, seeing that mentality, you just can't go back. Mm. So um, most of the people that I know are very, very um, pro-West, um, pro-capitalism. Um, yeah. I've always said that, that uh, the one thing the U.S. does well is exports movies. So, you know, you make a movie like Avatar or The Avengers, like the whole world's going to see Spider-Man 
right? And, and to those people, it's just, you know, an amazing, like an Avengers movie on the face of it. It's ridiculous. You know, this guy's flying around yeah. fighting gods, you know, it's silly, but what it unintentionally does is it exports American values with it too of here's the hero, here's the good guy, you know, you're saving the children, you're saving the, you know, you're, you're getting the gal, you know, so it, it built into those movies is these American values. Right. And, and in a strange way, if you see this amazing movie, wow, that's cool. You know, you just, he just punched out an airplane, whatever's going on in that movie, you're accidentally kind of, uh, being exposed to those American values. Absolutely. And I think it's actually not being even done on purpose. Uh, in, I mean, let's be honest, it's a capitalistic country and the main goal when you um, try to export a movie is, is financial. But yeah, they want to make I, your not knowing dollars. Yeah. yeah, not knowingly, they did export a lot of, uh, you know, uh, way of thinking, a lot of the culture. And people see that. And that's why there's still a lot of countries and I mean, let's call let's call him like even North Korea does not accept any movies from the West because if people see that, mm-hmm. they will ask themselves, "Hey, something is wrong. Yeah. Something is not okay." So I think that was one of the drivers of of countries like the post-Soviet ones that yeah, decided how, that, how "Hey, could, we have to do something about it." How could Kim Jong Un be stronger than Captain America? Absolutely, he's <laughs> <laughs> got a funny haircut. Right. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's one of the benefits that. Um, that uh, the the Hollywood movies brought. That's definitely one of them. And I mean, there was for me and my family. It was something very normal on a Saturday night mm. to watch a uh, like Hollywood movie. And probably yeah. the, my my best memories were when you w- I would hear the twenty twentieth uh, century um, uh, uh, yeah, music. Yeah. Dun 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 dun. Oh yeah. You know, like that was that. You're that's excited, my childhood. Yeah. Like, yeah, something good is gonna happen. Like, something amazing will happen. It doesn't really matter if it's a comedy or a romantic movie. Yeah. Those were the times where I'm like, yeah, this is what I want. Huh. So, Interesting. So definitely, that worked as a model for for a lot of countries. And I'm not only talking about Moldova. I'm not talking about only about the Soviet countries. I mean, yeah, Hollywood is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Every continent knows. Uh, mm-hmm. The big names that in Hollywood, yeah, yeah. Oh, let me look at his phone. Oh, what what hobbies do you have? <laughs> random stuff. What hobby do I have, Amit? You like sushi? Love sushi. Oh yeah, that is actually mm-hmm. true. I do love sushi. Uh, I mean, like if you consider eating a hobby, sure. Yeah, I love sushi, especially <laughs> when it's all you can eat. <laughs> That's my favorite. Welcome Food to America. Always. Well, I do love to cook uh, for sure, um, and it's based on the fact that I want to eat healthy. That's number one, I guess. You've been playing some volleyball, right? Yeah, we are playing volleyballs in Tuesday, which by the way, you guys are invited. Yeah. Um, we have several mutual friends that are doing this. Uh, I was trying to convince them to come and now they're part of the group and they're mm-hmm. regulars every Tuesday. They, they're they playing volleyball, we, are, we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, um, well, sports, that's working out and try, trying to stay active as much as Carry possible. Up. <laughs> karaoke <laughs> definitely karaoke well music in general <laughs> music in general um i mean to be honest uh in the beginning i actually considered karaoke as a um something bad because i'm like oh my god like any, anybody can sing no that's not okay you have to be uh, like you know you have to be talented but in all reality that's a good thing right uh, um because yeah i mean i had i have some mu- musical background so karaoke is definitely the thing um uh, uh, like a go-to, right? Uh, like I said, cooking, love meal prepping, um, 
dinner. Um, can you can you tell us about your tiny hot tub that you bought? Are you still using that? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's on. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's uh, <laughs> okay. You're not allowed in. <laughs> Andre bought a bought a very small hot tub. It's actually not small. It's 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 pretty big. It's a six no four to six. They're saying, but I think what? six. I thought you had a two person one. That's the what I said. Yeah. No, I I actually don't. I don't know. It's too, I think it, it would fit four people. Okay. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not sure you want to. Is it smaller than the <laughs> average American hot tub? It's probably the same size. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm thinking of a different hot tub then. This one, Maybe. Looked, this one looked like. Well, looked I did barely. send you some pictures, but they were like just memes. No, we were at your place. Oh, okay. Was it small really? I thought it was a two person tub. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. It can fit more than two people. But, um, you gotta have to send me another whoa, picture. Maybe two fat American. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Well, I mean, so like an average American tub would be bigger than that table. It'd be bigger than this table. It is bigger than the table. Okay. Okay. Well, you have to, you, you'll, you'll have to come to my place one day. I didn't know you had a party tub. Well, you can consider, if you like, if you just put your uh, legs in it, you can fit like 10 people. <laughs> no, <laughs> we all got to get in. <laughs> well, that's actually a funny story because. If I just uh, put my feet in, then you're going to see me peeing. <laughs> well, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a funny story because uh, I wanted a, a hot tub, right? So I was looking um, like in, on the internet yeah. and I told somebody that I want a hot tub and yeah. someone in the office actually heard that. They're like, hold on. I know a guy that actually is selling a hot tub. Yeah. So I basically ended up buying a paying for a $6,000 tub, I paid only 1000 because there was somebody that was trying to get rid of it because yeah, he was deal. upgrading to a neck. He was building a pool with a tub. Yeah. So I'm like, look, look what power of, of word and the world, the way the word actually travels. Yeah. It's amazing. That's why you have to speak up all the time. I would like a $10,000 hot tub for $1,200. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> you know, delivered in Las Vegas. Let's to my backyard. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds funny, but at the same time, it is a, it's, it's a fact, right? Uh, you have to speak up and people will, will listen to you. Yes. And you never know when the, when, if you have a problem, you never know when the unworthy, uh, the, the, you know, the. Well, also, I mean, if the, if the Raiders cheerleaders want to come over to my hot tub, then that would be great too. Okay. Oh, you want to spread the word? I'm spreading the word. I'm, I'm manifesting. <laughs> okay. You have to think about it. Fuck it is. Right. 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 Absolutely. Yep. What well, else? I mean, what's <laughs> yeah. What else do you want to talk about? What else do I have in my house? I mean, I could buy a minivan if they need a ride. No, that's my job. Uh, yeah. Andre will pick you up, bring you over to the <laughs> I hot have tub. a seven seater. So <laughs> you, oh, you have a good, yeah. Andre will <laughs> yeah. give you a free ride to the hot tub. If you're some kind of professional cheerleader or, or bikini dancer. swimsuit, yeah. Yes, please. Right. <laughs> professional dancers are invited to the hot tub. Right. I would buy a giant hot tub if if that were if there was a demand for beautiful women to come swim at my house. I would buy a giant That's hot a, tub. That makes sense. You know, I would do the same thing. Yeah, I would definitely do the same. This thing. is real talk. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well you know what? Wait, what? Where there's demand. There will always be an offer, so I'll I'll make the offer. Just right. We got free transportation, <laughs> a well maintained giant hot tub. Right, right, <laughs> absolutely. We'll cater it. We'll bring all the food you want. 
Food and alcohol. Absolutely. Alcohol always. <laughs> always. Um, get a DJ. <laughs> I'll DJ. There we go. <laughs> We're all set. Just come. You want to be in the tub? I, I'll do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll be a slave. <laughs> Sorry, did we totally derail the no, podcast? No, it's okay. a good conversation. <laughs> we've lost I, all the vegetarians, I, and we've turned this into some kind of sexist, <laughs> misogynistic <laughs> conversation. No, yeah. no we're, bad. we're very respectful. <laughs> Sorry. All guys think this way, so f- for women to, <laughs> to think that guys don't think this way, I, I, it's probably 99.9% of all guys think this way. We right. want you to know what we're actually thinking, even though society is lying to you all the time. Right, correct. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's the funniest thing is to actually listen for a couple of girls talking to themselves when there's no man around. Oh. So that's a good conversation. I've heard those too. So where, like, where oh were my you God, hiding? I thought I'm misogynistic. You guys. <laughs> okay. All right. So I thought I was not, fucked up. Let's not point fingers. <laughs> yeah. Earlier when Emmett asked that question, uh, where, where do you want to retire? I think America or um, Moldova. I think you asked that, right? More um, or less. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of, what factors come into mind to you? Is it healthcare? Is it fun? Is it opportunity? Is it family? Well, Andre's not that old, right? You were, you're like 30? 32. Yeah. But I, so. I, well, for me, I, well, I'm 30, 38, and I've been thinking about similar, that similar question, do I want to retire in Vietnam or in America? Mm-hmm. I probably started thinking about that when I was younger, 30. Yeah. It's because you hate work. That is a good point. So, <laughs> so you know one of my, my okay. you know one of my reasons. I know. So 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 uh, <laughs> so in my mind, actually, I, I actually thought about this a couple of times, um, and I'm having this conversation more and more with with, with friends like you, like mm-hmm. like Dan. Um, it's a good point. In my mind, I think I want to retire somewhere, like just just like you said, somewhere uh, where there's uh, accessible healthcare mm. because one of the big issues here in us is is probably that it's very like it's it's to be great healthy healthcare. to stay healthy is very expensive yeah we have great health care but it's so fucking expensive that it'll so kill expensive. you exactly so in my mind uh probably the best uh the best location or part of the world that i for me to retire is either moldova because of course i have my family over there uh, and it's a lot cheaper to actually survive mm. uh, when you're that old and with some money aside I'm pretty sure we that can be a decent um, retirement but at the same time I also considered countries like Costa Rica mm. or Chile or some some somewhere on the on the south and Espanol si senor somewhere in the Latin America because uh, is Andre's so mic close cheaper. enough to him yeah, yeah. yeah. okay yeah, he's fine okay can you hear me I, I can <laughs> I wonder the uh, dy- the economic macroeconomics of that say america's is pricing its elders out of wanting to retire here uh, it's a real problem if you're a senior and you don't have income you get some kind of social security check and it's not enough to live on it's it's a, it's a legitimate problem so, right unless you have good family support how can you know say you get maybe a thousand bucks a month or something on your social security if you don't have any other income yeah how do you it's with, hard. It's yeah. hard. Uh, it's it's uh, it's funny that you brought that up because I was just um, so I have we, we have a division of engineers right at, at the, the place that I work mm-hmm. at and my my boss was asking can you actually recruit some people because we need more engineers so I thought of this guy that I used to work with when I lived in San Francisco and I called him and I haven't actually had no clue that he's actually sixty six 
Mm. So in my mind, I'm like, are you still working, dude? He's like, yeah, sure. And uh, how long <laughs> are you? What's retirement? What's like, that? yeah, what is that? So, so how long are you planning to work for? And he's like, well, I'm gonna work at least for four more years, and that's seventy, right? Yeah. But if, but if um, everything goes well, I'm probably gonna work until I die. So mm. in my mind, I don't think he's actually doing this for fun. Mm. He's actually doing this because he has to. So like, if he could, he would retire. I'm pretty sure anyone, anybody would retire if they could. I, I would retire now if I have to, yeah, if I have the, the means and, and yeah, and the, uh, yeah. the money. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it's sad, but you're right. You, you need, you need a second, uh, stream of income. Well, here's what's really weird is, uh, I think retirement is a fairly new concept. Like before World War II, people didn't live that long. Like, Expectancy you know, you, was low, yeah. Yeah, you lived, like if you were 60 or something, you're an old man. Absolutely. So it wasn't as much of a thing, but as we can live longer and longer, I guess we're living to a point where you can't do a whole lot. You, you can't be out working in a field or doing engineering or something, but right. you're still alive. So it's, you know, we value our, our seniors and nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to commit suicide. You know, those seem not good solutions, <laughs> right? So there's this weird... We're in a weird place in in history and in society where people can live a lot longer, but we haven't figured out income for them. Right. Um, so I think, you know, my my father's parents, they died when he was 19 ish, 19. So, um, you know, retirement wasn't a problem there, but then he got to live to 73. Right. So that's a different equation. So in America, we've had this idea that you're kind of retirement's a goal. Like everybody gets to retire that you have, you're entitled to this thing um, that uh, maybe it doesn't work as it stands. Right. So I, what I've heard is that by the time that our generation actually retires, there might be no uh, money left in the social security, mm -hmm. which is actually kind of makes sense because just like you said um, with, with, with the current, technologies and the current healthcare and, and, mm -hmm. and people live a lot longer. Yeah. So if, and let's, let's face it, the population is aging real fast. Mm -hmm. We don't have, especially, I mean, in the U S as well. I mean, in yeah. my country it's actually terrible. Like all the young people left Oh yeah. and all that's left out of that country is the old yeah. generation. So at some point you're going to get where you'll, you'll have, 90% of, of the population will be retired. Mm -hmm. So someone has to actually close that gap. Someone has, has to take care of those people. Yeah. Who's that gonna be? There's no money left. Yeah. So same thing in the US. I mean, let's face it, there's not enough people that are um, like new, like the new generation is, is very limited. Um, well, our, they're, they're not saving up money at all, much less having enough money to retire themselves or support parents that are retiring. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's it. another problem. Uh, if the baby boomers uh, were kind of, you know, the bulk of the population, right? Because mm -hmm. they, they were the one that, ones that brought uh, these youngsters, they, the, the people that now are probably in their um, best shape to actually bring value and bring income. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at my peers mm -hmm. and even you guys, right? Yeah. Um, you don't have kids. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm going to have kids in, in at least in the next five years. So do, who's do you coming? want kids? I do want kids. But economically, you're saying no. Uh, there's more factors to that. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, 
So in my mind, this is not unique. Um, if you look around, you'll see a lot of youth, a lot yeah. of young people our age that are actually in a good financial position and they have good jobs and they have good income, but still they do not want to have kids. Right. And we're going to end up where Japan is, right? Well, that's true. Yeah. So, so in my mind, if that, if that's the case, what's coming after? Who's going to take care of us? We robots. Okay. <laughs> robots or the uneducated that's just populating the earth. The, the uneducated, right. the low, uh, I shouldn't say the uneducated, the less, less skilled or unskilled labor. Yeah. Less fortunate. Right. Less right. fortunate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so uh, again, um, we've been going, this country uh, has been going through different um, leaderships and li different parties that rule the country. And some mm -hmm. of them were pro-immigration, some of them were not. Mm -hmm. But again, at the same time, if you think back, immigrants kind of closed that gap that, that was created by the fact that, that there's not enough kids mm -hmm. being born. And um, again, yeah. people that will take care of the others uh, when time comes. Yeah. So the Filipinos. Yeah. Or Moldovans. <laughs> <laughs> I joke because we have a lot of uh, Filipinos in America and a lot of them are in the healthcare industries and in the caretaking right. um, business. Right. right. There's a lot of RNs I know that are yeah. from Philippines. Um, that, I mean, that's true. Yeah. So it's all relative to what your original situation is and what your opportunities are. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm ter I'm incredibly lucky. I was just born in Chicago, you know, so how lucky is that in the lottery of life to right. be afforded all of this opportunity and education and infrastructure? You know, I'm the first one to complain about the U S mm -hmm. but how many billions of people around the world, would trade shoes with me in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. so I don't want to, I don't want to sound dramatic, but <laughs> I was watching this documentary about an Indian uh, city or village called whatever, yeah. um, where the guy was trying to provide for his family. And, and he realized that the only way he will actually be able to bring some income and survive would be to buy uh, one of those moto like motorcycle rickshaws mm -hmm. where he could actually transport people like a taxi. Yeah, taxi guy, yeah. So so in order to do that, that rickshaw would cost like four or five thousand dollars at the mm -hmm. time. So what he had to do, and this was actually a documentary shot to the of the like during the entirety of uh, of the process. Yeah. He had had to sell one of his kidneys. And he actually did that. He yeah. sold his kidney on the black market in order to get that money to buy the rickshaw. Wow. And he did it. Yeah. But if you think that's, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. You live in a country where you go to work from 85, whatever, yeah. and you can not only survive, but put some money aside, maybe invest in your dreams. There are some people around in this world at this time yeah. that probably cannot afford a pound of rice. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 still happening, and it's sad, dude. In America, it's like a pain in the ass. Like, oh, you want me to write up a fucking resume? Like, I gotta put in your format, and I gotta write down the shit I used to do. Oh, you want me to wear like a collared shirt and a fucking jacket to this fucking interview? Flip flops, so I, so I can get an air conditioned job at a cubicle. Oh, I only get an hour lunch, but it's not it's not included. So I gotta work eight hours outside of the lunch hours. So I gotta show up. I gotta commute and drive there. And this other dude had to fucking sell his kidney. Exactly. To trade in for a, a used ass uh, motorcycle taxi. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's super sad. Uh, I, I heard that uh, the average pay 
uh, per day in North Korea is the equivalent of a half a pound of rice or, or a pound of rice, call it whatever. Yeah, North Korea is miserable. That's like a, a country that's a prison. Right. So, poor but there are like, it's sad that there are countries that still live like that nowadays. Mm -hmm. so, again, let's be grateful for what we have. Yeah. And, and what, what that brings actually my, my question for you, because I just had the same conversation with Dan about kids. Yeah. Um, do you have a reason? It's not money. Like even if kids were monetarily free, like if it didn't cost me a penny, I still don't want kids personally. Um, I don't get that same joy that other people seem to get mm -hmm. of, of, of raising that child and giving that child everything because it's a sacrifice of everything else too. You know, it's, I, I don't know. Am I too spoiled? Am I too selfish to want to give to this little bastard that's going to, you know, mouth off to me when he's in high school right. or, or she's in high school. And, and, and then what, you know, they're going to, you call me when they're in jail and then, and then they're going to date this piece of shit that I don't like. And then, you know, when they're 30, they might come back around and appreciate me. Right. Do, um, why are you so negative? <laughs> Your kid might be the next, well, uh, it's statistics. You look around and you go, are most Americans awesome, really loving, great people, or are they assholes that are trying mm. to buy an 80 inch TV and cut me off in traffic? Right. So, so I was listening to this <laughs> podcast, uh, on Friday. Um, and it, it was just in the queue. I don't even know how that came up. Um, and this lady was talking about, uh, parents nowadays being very concerned about their kids and who they're going to grow. Yeah. Um, so my question to you is, don't you think you being you, and I know you're, a, you're a really good guy yeah. you're very responsible and, and very disciplined. Don't you think that you being their model, their role model, their example, don't you think that you will actually have kids that will at some point supersede your expectations? Yeah. The thing that scares me about that is that I've seen really, I've seen really great parents that were like, oh, you know, they did everything right. They put the kid in school and they made all the right sacrifices and they, they seemed like the, the best job you could do as a parent. And then somewhere the kid, you know, meets the wrong friend in high school and turns into a total fuck up. There's a certain um, chance to it. It's like, man, I could invest more than ever, more than anything I've ever done and still have a bad result. Um, or even something like um, having a disabled kid, that's got to be so heart crushing to parents who just want a healthy child that, that they can bring into the world. And, and if you start off disabled through some random chance, we have the best you know, medical technology in history and there's still some reasonable possibility right. that you have a child that's not normal and healthy. It's like, fuck, how, how, how difficult is that? And the other thing that scares me is like, well, shit, you know, a lot of days it's all I can do to shower myself and, and microwave something to eat. Right. You know, how much effort do I have to get up at six to get this kid off to school right. and, and help them with their homework after work? and be a great role model and not cuss around them and say all the right things. And right. So it's, it's a huge responsibility that I see a lot of people do well and I see a lot of people do it terribly. And I'm not confident that I have that, that resolve and that reserve of strength and determination to do those things. Right. Right. Um, you know, if I had to, you would, cause you love the kid, right? But would I choose to take that on if I can avoid it? You know, would I rather be out whitewater rafting somewhere? Would I rather be off, 
you know, yesterday I kind of drank all day. I don't do it very often, but like I, I started, I, I started at Lee sandwiches with a meetup group and we ended up at a bar next door, this awesome bar in Vegas called golden Tiki had I a couple of drinks there. You know, I didn't get smashed, but like throughout the day I'm, I'm drinking at golden Tiki and we end up going over to a distill for a couple more drinks and get some food. Right. And then I actually had an, a dinner appointment, uh, like a happy hour. And then I drank there. And so I kind of fucked off all day and it felt nice because I don't do that very often. But, right. you know, as a parent, a lot of those choices disappear, right? You just, everything's for the kid. There's, you almost, you run out of uh, as many options. You can't really plan that next trip to another country, you know, because it gets real hard. Yeah, so, so I actually made uh, an assessment the other day. I was trying to make the difference between because actually it all started from this meme, uh, and it said uh, <laughs> memes are teaching <laughs> memes us are. I love memes because they <laughs> they bring so much um, truth to the table, right? So yeah. the meme said comparison, right? Um, a out of the office email notification in Europe. Mm -hmm. Hey. I'll be out for four months. I'm going to mm. see, um, to like, I'm flying to this island. Don't call me. Do not text me. <laughs> don't email me. I will talk to you in October. Yeah. That's European type of, um, out of office, right? Yeah. Out of office, email notification in us. Hey, I'm out for out of the office of two hours for a kidney, um, uh, um surgery, <laughs> but you can call me or text me anytime. So yeah. as, as, Dramatic as it sounds, that is actually true. Yeah. And this is, this is the uh, work ethic mm -hmm. in, in corporate America. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's sad because I'm trying to get a vacation for a week. And it's not that I can't. I do have those. Uh, I actually have my vacation maxed out. I have so much vacation. You've accrued the hours. I have accrued the hours. Like I have them all. Like I have plenty yeah. of time off uh, on paper. But yeah. in reality, I can't really do it mm -hmm. because... There's so much responsibility on a daily basis, mm -hmm. right? That you can't really, um, I don't know, just like, like your projects would crash if you, well, unplugged. not really crash, but I wouldn't feel comfortable knowing that I'm not there, Yeah, you know? And uh, um, like I said, it's a work ethic um, issue, right? So in all reality, like all I can do is take one day off or two days off. Uh, mm -hmm. And then when I come back, the work is still there. I'm still going to have to re- like I'm gonna have to do whatever I missed those mm -hmm. few days. Uh, what I've seen happening in Europe is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. uh, people actually do take a month off yeah. and they come back and nothing changed, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they can actually do it. And this is actually really close to what we discussed about kids, having kids, responsibilities. Um, mm -hmm. I can see someone in, 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 in a country in Europe uh, that would actually have plenty of time mm -hmm. to um, have a kid. Yeah, like well, even uh, parental uh, leave, mm -hmm. you can take up to one year over there. Right. I have this 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 coworker. She just had a kid, and she came back three days later. I'm like, this is inhumane. This is not okay. Wait, so she gave birth, and yeah. three days later she's yeah, back. She's at just work. back in the office. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that is insane. That's not okay. This is not normal. How are you going to? Um, uh, make or convince mm -hmm. uh, a, a millennial uh, aged um, um, mm -hmm. late girl or woman or a family or a couple to have kids yeah. if there's no 
you're not giving them any resources to do that. You're at not at the very least, any... you're discouraging and disincentivizing them. Absolutely, from there's having no incentive to do that. Absolutely not. And yeah. and this is again corporate America. It's sad. Yeah, it's terrible because if you think about you not taking any vacation or this gal uh, having to go back to work, it's like what are we doing it for? We we're doing it for that salary, right? Because you know that if you, in the end, if you take that time off or if you don't come back that you're putting some jeopardy on that salary, right? Somebody else will get the job or you'll impact you negatively in the workplace. So we're, we're, we're killing ourselves for this corporation. And then the corporation is maximizing profits for these shareholders. And so in the end, in America, you have this giant population of people, not slaving away, but like working insanely hard or in working in very dysfunctional ways to maximize the profit. And if we don't own any stock ourselves, then we're giving that money to people who are rich enough to have all the stock. That is correct. So it's a very strange dystopian thing where once you can turn a company into a publicly held structure, then those stock values are all that matters to the investors. They elect the board of directors who choose the CEO who squeeze that company and all those employees right. to maximize profits. So you've, you've made this weird animal that, that squeezes the blood out of these workers to give to the owners. Correct. In, in a way that we've come to accept that seems normal to us because it's all around us. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we're not smart enough to say, ah, that really sucks. Why don't we do something different? But again, like my dad says, go and take a walk. Like that's what he says, uh, go take a walk. If you don't like it, go take a walk. That's the that's the golden rule of, of an open market, right? Does that like, mean like walk off the job, like, like get a no, better just job? No, just go take a walk, go get a better job. Like you don't yeah. like it, just go away. But that's the thing, the company will tell you the same thing. You don't like it, you yeah. don't like it, just go. We're gonna find someone else and that's true. We, yeah. we work in a very competitive environment that unfortunately is directed to make shareholders happy. Mm-hmm. And this is corporate America, right? you don't work for yourself you don't work for the company you work for the shareholders and the main goal is to make them happy mm-hmm. um but again that what what's the price that you have to pay mm-hmm. you know to achieve that right yeah so the unfortunate thing is say say you're working really hard to get that salary right and if it's a good salary then you're being compensated and you're trading your blood sweat and tears you're sacrificing to get that money right i think the shame is that most americans aren't spending that money wisely Right, they go piss it away on, on these material things. Right, right, you know? and and no, that's uh, that's absolutely true. I was actually reading this book. It's called The Millionaire Next Door, and they talk a lot about the rat race. Mm-hmm. And we've we've read that in Robert Kiyosaki's uh, book as well, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Right, where mm-hmm. um, the main the main problem nowadays with uh, getting a good job is be careful not to get into the rat race. Right, mm-hmm. because the, what happens when when you get um, a race when what happens when you get to a bigger position the um, the trend mm-hmm. and the um, the normal the normal way of doing things is okay I'm gonna get a bigger house mm-hmm. normal in yeah um, that's the way that's the way society works right you get a bigger job you get a bigger house you get a bigger car yeah um, and you're right I think we lack education when it comes to that we don't mm-hmm. lack technical education, but we do like financial education. And this is one of the main problems that we um, are not even talking about like 
mm-hmm. third world countries, there's no financial education over there whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, over here still you have something, right? But but uh, you can but go find it. You can go find it. But uh, yeah. and like generally speaking, I would probably say ninety five percent of the the youth has no financial education whatsoever. The main problem is you spend what you make, and more you make, more you're gonna spend. And right? you buy it on credit. And you buy it on credit. So and that next phone comes out, that $1,200 phone is awesome. So I want that. Yeah. And one of actually, I blame Instagram for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I'm actually not kidding. I think um, media and social media in general is the driver for all that. And I think consumerism is a is very beneficial for a healthy economy. Absolutely. Yeah. But we're... We're self-destructing every day. Yeah. Where are you stopping? Where where, where are you changing uh, the way way things go, right? Because if you're going going to always go for the next iPhone, always for the next car, or always for the bigger house, you will never be able to be independent, right? And this is why probably a lot of people cannot afford to retire because this is what they did during their whole lifetime. They've outspent their earnings. Absolutely. I agree with everything you guys pretty, pretty much said. I had a few things I wanted to add, but nothing important. So <laughs> we were ranting too hard. Uh, no, no, no. It was all stuff I agreed with. Um, I'm going to walk us into the final questions. What great daily habits do you have? Great daily habits. I think uh, something that I I'm pretty proud of is uh, waking up in the morning and working out. That was a very very mm. long transitional period it's uh it's not that easy but now i am uh, i love doing that um wait so you wake up and do push-ups or what do you do uh different workouts i have workout station uh, at home i i don't know just random like nice. arms uh triceps uh oh, so you got some weights at home free weights and um i also have a pull bar <laughs> nice. and i have a bicycle as well so that actually helps a lot like you will helps uh, you to wake up yeah um and um the like the day just starts much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of those things. Um, and maybe uh, throughout the day, I try to stay healthy when, when it comes to food. Uh, trying to stay away from alcohol. <laughs> it's, it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> when you added that it wasn't easy, what um, what got you over the hurdle, or what got you there? Well, past the hard part. Right. Well, I realized that um, I was gaining weight. <laughs> so so well, vanity. I, I love I love uh, <laughs> resolutions. Love them. Like especially the New Year's resolutions. Those are the four days oh. uh, in my life. So um, I tend. This is probably the fourth year I'm having a New Year's resolution. It's the same and one. And no, <laughs> I'm actually not doing that. No, okay. no. So that works pretty well. So one of them was waking up in the morning and actually um, exercising. So, I, uh, so you said your resolution is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exercise when I wake up. And then since January 1st, you've done it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's how we know you're not American. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. All right. Next question. What, oh, what do you know or think of cryptocurrency? Now, I know you already wrote in the, the email that you're not really for cryptocurrencies, but uh, go ahead and answer the question how you will. And then I'll add some stuff to it. No problem. Or maybe so Emmett will. Why, why do you hate cryptocurrency? I do not hate cryptocurrency. <laughs> I, I do hate Bitcoin, though. <laughs> so, um, okay. So my stance is that um, crypto is the future of currency. That is, mm. that's that's definitely um, uh, that's definitely a fact. 
I don't know what form it will take mm -hmm. because it has to be globalized in a way or another. Because if you want to trade uh, and you want to exchange currency mm -hmm. between different countries, it has to follow a certain standard. And I know that the main idea of a cryptocurrency is like decentralizing it and making it as, it as independent as possible. But when you're talking about big bucks, when you're talking about big transactions, you have to make sure mm -hmm. that it somehow follows some rules. Okay. We live in a time where um, the volatility of those coins, mm -hmm. if, even if it's Dogecoin or Ethereum yeah. or Bitcoin, are so up and down that yeah. At this point, I, I still don't understand what is the real and the true value of, 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 of one of those coins. Is it a viable technology? It's $2,442. Right. So <laughs> is at this <laughs> right second, now, yeah. in five seconds later, it's going to be different, 2447. right? 2447. <laughs> yeah. So in my mind, <laughs> uh, as a technology, it's a great, um, great thing. It's, it's definitely the future. But yeah. um, the problem that I have, especially with Bitcoin nowadays, is that... A lot of the most of the people that I know or that are invested in it, um, they don't really follow, and they are not in, in 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 the invested in it for the technology. They're just invested in it for the quick um, uh, profit. Yeah, I love quick profits. Me too. When they're real. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think that's the downside of it. Um, in my mind, uh, there will take some time until we will actually have something in stone in concrete uh -huh. until we actually have one uh, currency that is well we have many currencies now right you could we, do. we have u.s money we have sorry the euro we have say japanese yen those are all different currencies with fluctuating values right in rel right. in relation to each other they move okay so what's the uh when what the, then what's the point of not having one what was the point of having several cryptocurrencies um isn't the idea to globalize one single no, well, we already have many work. global currencies. Okay. So you could, it'd be, I mean, so if I give you an Australian dollar right now, is it worthless? No. It's worth something somewhere, right? Right. If I get you some uh, money from Colombia, I think they're using bolivars. Bolivars, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, pesos you know, No? A lot of countries are pesos, yeah. Right. But if I gave you enough pesos or bolivars, you know, it's you could still go buy a boat with it, right? Sure. So I think currency is as long as somebody will accept it somewhere. Okay. If somebody will sell you a boat for it or sell you something or if you can buy something with it, then to me that tells me it's a viable money. If you can spend it somewhere. Okay. Uh, the U.S. dollar is the most spendable thing, right? You can spend the U.S. dollar in the most places in the most ways. So in a way, it's kind of the global currency even more so than gold right there's more places you could buy stuff with dollars than if you walked in with gold it's really hard to buy stuff so to me the dollar is the world currency that you can use in the most place almost anywhere right so there's other currencies that still have value a cryptocurrency a lot of people will trade you something for your cryptocurrency, right? The value of it fluctuates a lot. On one day, it could be wildly different. But, you know, can you buy stuff with cryptocurrency? Yeah, in a lot of places. In some places, right? Yeah. So, so my question is, and I've have 
I haven't received an answer to this specific question that I'm gonna ask yeah. you. So let's say I am a dealership, right? And I'm planning to buy 20 Bentleys. A car dealership and you want to buy 20 Bentleys, yeah. Today, yeah. right? The guy that I'm buying it from in England mm -hmm. actually accepts crypto. Yeah. Okay. So I'm making a contract with, with him supplying me those cars every single month mm -hmm. for a period of, let's say, one year and a half. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to pay him in crypto. I'm signing the contract today. Yeah. At this moment, crypto is $50,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm... Say I'm, a, bit, a Bitcoin is worth $50,000. Yeah, yeah, a Bitcoin is yeah. $50,000. How do you, how is how is it viable for him as a seller as a manufacturer of those Bentleys if I'm paying him in crypto today and by the end of my contract when it reaches uh, let's say one year and a half from now yeah Bitcoin is at five thousand mm dollars -hmm. so that's po highly possible it's highly possible so yeah. my question is how is it how is it um, financially um, profitable for that guy to sign a contract with me in Bitcoin that would technically uh, lose value by a thousand percent or whatever, 90 percent. Yeah, that was a bad deal for him. Well, <laughs> well, that, isn't that the point of a contract to be beneficial for both parties? Yeah, so in, in the dealership case, right, if this guy is selling you all these Bentleys, um, he would be smarter to sell it in something more stable like probably dollars, right? Okay. So was it well? It wouldn't be wouldn't it be so much easier to just pay him in dollars though? Yes, but if that guy thinks Bitcoin will double in value in a year and a half, then he would take a risk and he'd say, "Hey, you know what? If you pay me in Bitcoin, I'll take your Bitcoin." Okay, but that would be a risk for me then when then it's better for me to actually pay him in dollars because holding the Bitcoin that I have will double in value. Yeah. Next year. Yeah, so you should hold it. So you see? So it's if ultimately we're still we're still converting that currency in dollars, then it, Correct. it does make sense. Well, it does make sense because if you look at the long term trend, so take the graph of Bitcoin from day one to today. Has it gone up or down? It's going up and down. But from beginning till now, right? More often it went up. Okay. Otherwise, so do you think how? So how long do you think that that growth will be sustainable? Um, I don't see a reason for it to ever stop. It might level off to a slower growth. So you, for like in a perfect world, that might get to like a million dollar. Uh, worth per Bitcoin in a perfect world for me it would go up as fast as possible as soon as possible okay so you do own uh, Bitcoin. Some, I go on some okay. uh, ethereum more more ethereum okay. than anything else by uh, the way which reminds me the uh, the the Russian dude that uh, created ethereum Vitalik 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 is he Russian yes he is mm -hmm. like born um, in Russia yeah he's 100% nice. Russian uh, four days ago said that all the crypto is overvalued and it will go down in price oh it did yeah and it oh even more <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um well so when the stock market crashes then do you say well i don't see the point of the stock market then no actually i find it as an opportunity to buy more 
Okay, so I would see cryptocurrency more like a growing asset than a daily currency. Okay. To me, that's that's how I view it. It's something that a normal dude can buy, a normal person can go buy some cryptocurrency, and over the long run, it'll increase in value. Okay, so in my mind, there's a big difference between an asset as backed up as a company, like a stock, let's say, right, or an mm -hmm. ETF. When you own an ETF or a stock, you actually own a piece of a company that has a physical presence. They yeah. actually build something. They actually manufacture something. They actually offer some some specific um, services. Yeah. Right? When you own a Bitcoin, mm -hmm. you own something that is not physical. I would contend that your stock ownership is not physical either. Because if you own a Facebook share, what do you own a piece of? The online presence? Because it's not $50 billion worth of buildings and employees and trucks and products. It's well, an app you, on a you phone. You own the, the servers. What's that? You own the servers. I mean, what if they run it on Oracle computers? What if their Cloud. servers are off over at Switch? You know, what if they, they run sense. thing off site? Okay. But I don't own Facebook. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would contend that most um, stocks right now, their values are detached from the reality, reality. of the, because ideally the stock should be worth, hey, the company has some assets, they got some buildings, they got some trucks, and we're gonna look at their earnings. They're probably gonna make this much this quarter. And if you extrapolate that out, uh, they have price to earnings ratios, a 20 PE ratio used to be really good, but now it's 40. You know, how? Do, uh, this is all kind of nonsense to me. Like the uh, the the value of Coca-Cola stock, what is it? What is it attached to? It's attached to oh, their future earnings. But it's way beyond. Well, it, well, okay, we're talking about two different things. If, is the market overvalued? Sure, yes. Yeah. But there's more things that you have to consider. Uh, and one of them is, I think, inflation. Because when inflation kicks in, and it already did, and it's gonna get worse, then technically, the value of the stocks today are real. And they are showing the true um, situation at the moment. That they're overvalued. Well, you think they're overvalued, but if you take in consideration the, the, the inflation, they probably not. So if you wait long enough, it'll deflate down to its real value? No, it will not. Okay, so let's, 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 let's connect that to the money that were printed so far. Sure, that's a whole different topic. You no, know, it's not, but it's, it's technically connected to the stock market yeah, too. Yeah. Because if, if, if most of the money most of the money, what is it like? What did they say? 80%, 90%? I think I heard 40-ish, somewhere around there. Right, so so let's say 40% of the total uh, amount of dollars that were are in circulation today were printed in the last year. Mm -hmm. Then technically, a stock market being overvalued by 30%, it's actually even lower than what their true value should be. Don't you think? If you had to pay the same amount of money yesterday and today we have triple as much money in circulation yeah. than we did yesterday and the stock the stock value remained the same, yeah. then technically that stock value is actually undervalued. But the money is still worth the same because my $2 no. can still buy a cheeseburger. 
well, you'll you'll go into the store in a couple of months, and you'll see that you're going to have to pay twice as much for the milk and the meat. Yeah. So we have that. We have inflation built into the U.S. currency. Right. Typically around two or three percent a year. Is that? But that's normal. Yeah. That's two and a half, three. Yeah. But they're. I mean, they're saying that there might be an inflation up to six percent. Sure. Uh, inflation sucks. Right. Especially if your wages don't grow. Right. But that's not why I buy cryptocurrency. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so what happens when crypto is being developed by an entity like Bank of America or even the government, the U.S. government? Right. They could develop centralized controlled cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So to me, that's just digital money. So do you not believe in digital money? I do because I use it. Yeah, because we get we get our paycheck out directly deposited, and we get this card, and you can connect right. to your phone. You could show up and pay for stuff with your phone. Absolutely. So digital money is here. It's whatever people choose to accept. So some people choose to accept Venmo. Some people accept a Zelle. Some people accept a Cash App. Yep. Right. Or you could probably pay me through Facebook or WhatsApp. Or there's probably a hundred different ways to pay me. Right. So what you're saying is that crypto is actually not a means of, of, of uh, payment. It's um, just an asset that you invest in. Oh yeah, I could, I could send Lim some crypto right now and he could give me something back for it. Okay, but do you think that the volatility that it it's has a problem now, yeah. Yeah. It, is it supposed to be that way? No, I, well, it is, I don't know. I mean, supposed to means, did it, was it designed that way? No, I mean, nobody wanted the volatility. It's just there. All I, all, all I know is that if something had doesn't have a fixed price, yeah, I can't really use it. You buy in stocks that don't have a fixed price. Well, the stocks are being calculated based on their performance. I don't know. Supply and demand. That's, that's true, too. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they will produce something, right? They will work toward, even Facebook will produce something. It's a platform, let's say, to generate cash by, uh, um, you know, like commercials, like having commercials. So then it. Ethereum has produced uh, some games like CryptoKitties, and it has produced this uh, weird art thing where you can buy a NFT license to a piece of art. You could buy the original tweet NFT. So there's some weird things you can buy. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, okay. I don't care for those things. Right. So, okay. I have another question then. Uh, what about money laundering? Yeah, that's illegal no matter which currency you use. Yeah, but it's easier and it's facilitated by crypto can facilitate that too. Sure. You could do it with cash too. Right. What about uh, drug um, drugs? It would be easier for me to buy illegal drugs with dollars than with cryptocurrency. How come? Because heroin dealers love dollars. Cash. Yeah. But what if uh, you don't want to deal directly with the guy and you don't want to meet him in person? Wouldn't it be easier to just send him here crypto? Yeah, well, that doesn't make the coin illegal. I mean, if you do something bad with anything, that's like it's illegal to kill people. So if I use a hammer mm -hmm. to smash somebody's head, hammers are bad. But on the whole, hammers build a lot more houses than head smashing. Okay. So anything can be used illegally, I think. Right. But I think it's much easier to trans like transfer a certain amount of 
Bitcoin to an overseas account than yeah. it to actually send cash. Sure. It's easier to shoot somebody than to smash their head in with a hammer. So how do you mitigate those problems? I don't need to. I didn't invent the shit. <laughs> what do you think, Liam? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm on the far side. Like I'm I'm polar for crypto gotcha. all the way. It's gonna um, save the world and solve all crime. Okay. I wouldn't say it would solve all crime, <laughs> but it, it, it there's a um natural balance of things and I think crypto far helps way more paradigm shifts magnet magnitudes uh helps way more than what the bad there's a lot more good things you can do with it way more so Um, benefits um decentralization for people to understand decentralization this is a paradigm shift on data data and money um if you have an entity that always controls something like the government or the central banks you can never get an equilibrium because they dictate everything. So decentralization brings a uncontrollable third party that's always truthful. Um, So this is a whole paradigm shift to anything that we've ever known. Uh, This is something that we've never had the opportunity as humans to ever use before. So I think this will help bring a paradigm shift that could help. I know there's a lot of bad things that can happen, but the same thing as the US dollar, any fiat that can bring about crime, drugs, whatever else. Um, uh, one that I use often an example uh, would be insurance companies, a car insurance company. You pay so much on onto this, whatever blockchain that uses or cryptocurrency that uses it, you pay $50 a month. This car insurance company says, we'll cover you for $10,000 of damages. When a uh, car accident happens, you get an auditor that comes right now. The current system is the insurance company sends an auditor currently on the blockchain. What I foresee that could happen is you have a 30 third party auditor that is 50% rated towards the insurer and 50% towards the insurance company. What that does is completely, uh, hopefully an unbiased audit on the situation. So, the auditor comes out, gets paid via the whole blockchain is set up where the insurance company and you would probably pay the auditor some amount that's has been balanced by the market. Some fee for his work. Yep. And it'd be balanced by the market. So uh, certain auditors will be picked more and what and less, but it would eventually- For the claims adjuster? Uh, I think the auditor- Okay. My, maybe in my terms is incorrect too. I'm, I'm not sure. I was using insurance terms. Um, so they would come out and take a look at the damages. Uh, they would take a look at, was it your fault that caused the accident or is it the person that hit or, or did the other person hit you? Were they at, uh, at fault and they would sign off on it. And then in, I don't know, maybe you would need to, whatever, however the blockchain and rules are set up, whatever lawyers are uh, partaking into this, maybe they need three third-party auditors, uh, adjusters. Uh, if, it, if it's, th- let's just go with three for this example. Three, come there, check it out. All three say in favor of you that the other person caused an accident. So that person's insurance will pay you. So this all happens via blockchain and you get three auditors that are unbiased. That's a paradigm shift. Right now, I fucking hate that. Anytime I get a claims adjuster auditor, Every fucking time I have to write a letter and say, this is what happened. This is how much, how much my vehicle was. You gave me, you offered less. And this is a situation where I wasn't at fault. So the money should come from their insurance. 
Every single time that I've had any accident, mm-hmm. I've had to do that. Why are you crashing so much? People shouldn't <laughs> be crashing into me. <laughs> right. So, um, okay. So my, my question is then, why do you guys think that centralizing a currency is bad? Power, power corrupts. Okay. Well, so, so in my well, mind. Well, so the massive inflation that is coming okay. is coming from your centralized treasury and federal reserve, right? but you're being part of a society and that comes with it. So in my mind, centralizing things are actually good. You know what? Some kind of communist? No. No, I'm kidding. What I'm saying is centralizing <laughs> is actually creating um, a set of laws and um, something that you follow as part of a protocol to be part of that society. So in my mind, centralizing is having um, um, traffic lights. That is centralized. See, but I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I got nothing against U.S. dollars. I just think there's this other new money that's right. coming so, about. So if you're talking about crypto as a hedge fund against inflation or um, a substitution for gold, I get it. But still, gold is not as volatile as uh, as this new uh, currency is. So Yeah, but if the overall uh, trend is up, I don't care if it's volatile as long as it's wildly up or up. so how long more than stocks for you right so how yeah. long do you think that growth will still happen you said it's infin- infinite right but again uh, you know if it isn't then i'll ride it till it stops okay so when it stops what do you do cash out exactly i think there will be exactly. a pla- plateau my theory is i think there'll be a plateau where enough money there's 37 trillion m0 money in the world um cryptocurrencies at 1.9 Billion? Shit. Is it billion? No. 1.9 trillion market cap. Um, so right. I think crypto can go up. If you get all M0 money, which I doubt it would, but you could get M1 money. M1 is uh, home loans, stocks. I think is M in M1. I might be wrong. I think derivatives is M2. Um, so anyways, I think you get all M1 cash, all M1 money in. M1's huge. It's freaking... I'm guessing uh, 1.4 quadrillion, I think. So you could get that all into crypto and then we could all live crypto. I think that plateau could happen. And this is me being very optimistic about crypto. Like utopian. Utopian crypto world. Uh, we could get there and it would help. You would have decentralized car insurance. You would have decentralized government as in voting. You could vote on the blockchain. You wouldn't have Trump saying that he didn't win the vote because he would have won. Um, this... Cryptocurrency doesn't fix the problems of humans. Did it's you say great- Trump should have won? <laughs> Trump <laughs> thinks he should have won. Uh, <laughs> it's like a great tool, the hammer situation. It could be great to work on some nails. It could be used to kill somebody. Or you could forget about it and you could have a nail and not know how to right. put the nail in. So cryptocurrency is the best tool I think humans have ever... One of the best tools. After electricity gonna- and the internet. After electricity, <laughs> internet, and the wheel, probably, and fire. So Okay, so a couple of questions then. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when the, the market is being over flooded by new cryptocurrencies? No, Because it is. I, I think it'll, they'll be, it'll, it'll balance out. Um, the useful cryptos will stay, stay around, just like websites. Uh, we, got, we got Google, Facebook, uh, Twitter, website, YouTube. AltaVista, <laughs> CopyServe. So those ones will slowly go go away into non-existence. Okay. 
Okay, then. Okay, another question. Then I'm just trying to. I'm not an opposer, by the way. I I want to make myself. Clear. Yeah, it's good to be skeptical. I think crypto is a good tool when it will be used um, um, properly, right? But okay, what happens when the government says no, and they say we're not gonna we're gonna uh, interdict and we're gonna make it illegal. Uh, in my optimistic view, they're shooting themselves in the foot. They're going to not be able to partake in the global uh, market in the future. That's my opinion. So mm -hmm. Several countries have. Um, I think Turkey, Turkey recently. did. Yep. And um, then I think China's China. trying to build their own. I mean, they already did the, the yeah. virtual. China yeah. likes to do their own thing. Right. Yeah. So, so in my mind, uh, okay, what happens? How far are we yeah. are willing to go to actually keep it alive? Do you think, do you think people would actually go in the street? And try to protest and now, go I, against I used the to government. worry about what if the U.S. Uh, outlawed cryptocurrency, but I worry less about it because so much Wall Street money is now in cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. and there are congressmen that own cryptocurrency and are trying to pass bills to promote and support it. Okay, so now that the dirty money and the dirty power at the top is in the game, mm -hmm. I trust them to protect it for me. Okay, so let's take it. Let me take it the other route. Let's say what right. what if a government, say the U.S. government. Uh, this is my theory. I know it's it's crazy far-fetched. Let me just play out the scenario. U.S. government bans crypto, and they hold the ban. They say no one in America can use crypto. Fuck crypto. Fuck crypto. You're going to get other countries like um, uh, Norway, Sweden, uh, China, uh, Vietnam. Well, Vietnam, probably, I don't think they're government. Uh, Germany, Japan, all developers who know crypto and understand this decentralized is the future, the future of everything, because everything's going to touch it as much as when I say everything, everything, the Internet, the phone, we have everyone has a freaking phone on them. That's how crypto is going to be. Mm -hmm. So when all these developers around the world say, fuck America, we can't even work on cryptocurrency and improve technology. When you see these insurance companies using third party auditors um, and uh, when these developers in America say, fuck that, we're going to move, or it's maybe generational. These other countries are going to start flourishing. Their economies are going to have all these new technology. They have this new insurance that doesn't have an insurance company. What the fuck? Right. They have this Uber that doesn't have a Uber headquarters. What? How the fuck is that going to work out? They're going to be, their economies are going to be so strong that America is going to say, oh, fuck, we fucked up. You could, yeah, playing off that, you can see historically any country or society that has not embraced technology did not do well. And any country or society that embraced new technology got ahead real fast. Okay, right? so, so how if if U.S. develops their own crypto, uh, mm -hmm. like a government crypto, and other countries will actually deal with, with that and they will trade via sure. U.S. government-made crypto, Mm -hmm. How is that not being part of a competitive environment? Uh, well, uh, I don't know your question. You so the ba basically what I'm saying is, um, first of all, the, the countries that will want to trade with U.S., they will adjust to the government's expect U.S. government's expectations. Yeah. And if U.S. wants to trade government-issued crypto, yeah. this is what other countries will. Because let's face it, everybody's following the United sure. States. Yeah. So saying that, okay, US is out, all the rest of the countries in the world are actually trading crypto. That is not true because we don't see that yet happening yet, right? So when, mm -hmm. if you see a chain reaction like China, Turkey, and I'll say US 
all the all the other countries will do the same thing. They will just ban crypto and they will create their own crypto. Oh, well, like I said, I'm not worried about the U.S. banning crypto at this point. Right. So in, in to like to just add to what you said about congressman and I'm I don't even have to talk about Wall Street or Congress. Yeah. Wall Street I, buys I will, a lot of Congress. I will tell Congress. you about Elon. Let's yeah. talk about Elon. Yeah. He is the he's the I never thought he's a pump and dump type of guy. <laughs> You're but calling that's what him a pump did. and dump. But that's what he did because what what he did was he um, speculated on it as much as he could. And he said we're going to accept crypto or Bitcoin. Yeah. He increased the value of his company. And the the money that they made in 2021 on crypto is actually uh, a lot higher than the sales that they had with Tesla. Mm -hmm. And then he dumped it because uh, as soon as he dumped it, he said, no, we're not going to accept crypto anymore. Did, it, did they, uh, it, was it reported that Tesla did sell Bitcoin? They sold, I think, one-fifth. Uh, one-fifth? I think it's actually more. Oh, I, I mean, they know. will not tell you because the, the, yeah. the, it's not in their best interest. They will tell you when it's all over. So when yeah. my mind is there's so many speculators nowadays mm -hmm. in this in this environment and there's so many people that are doing the pump and dump thing that I am not I am not surprised that one of the the the, the people in the Congress actually did the same thing and I'm pretty sure in a couple of months he will sell 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 it and do the same say well well that's that's stupid we're just gonna ban it oh uh, yeah so I see a lot of Wall Street money buying in in big ways and I think because they're so addicted to making money on stocks that this is a new higher cocaine game for somebody who's a hedge fund guy. Right. So for them, for Wall Street, that's not a, a, like any different than than pumping a stop a stock and dumping it yeah. and then buying it again. Yeah. It's just a mechanism of making quick bucks. Yeah, yeah, I like big bucks and I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean again not a, <laughs> not an opposer it's just too much too much speculation uh nowadays in regards and again you're, okay so you're saying it is too wild and uh unknown for you to want to buy any correct okay yeah, yeah. i'm okay with that yeah. uh you know some people are conservative some people are risky right you know uh i would say the smartest first asset you should buy if you can is is a primary residence in the u.s if you can buy your home somehow that's usually a really great Absolutely. first move because you got to pay rent anyway so right um so wherever you fall on that spectrum i'm lucky that i had bought a home and i didn't buy any stock yet i kept waiting for the market to crash and it never did i kept waiting for the market to correct and it never happened <laughs> and then i bought some crypto that's done really well that's good um so good for you um I've started buying S&P 500 uh, every month. I buy a little bit. That's a very good thing to do. Yeah, so that's an easy way to buy into assets. Um, and then that's the trick, right? Instead of going out and buying consumer, consumer goods that lose value as I own them, I'm trying to buy assets that grow in value. Absolutely. So that's nice. Um, so that's kind of just how I see it. What are the three things that a normal guy like me can buy? Real estate, stocks, cryptocurrency, I don't know a lot of other stuff I can buy that I think will go up in value right. over time. Um, I am uh, in a position to think that um, at this point in life and at this age, we have to have multiple streams of income for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and you are right, uh, having a primary residency that residence, right? Mm -hmm. That yeah. you pay every month via mortgage, that's a 
probably the best investment you can make, yeah. especially now with the with the inflation again. I was actually listening to Ken McElroy. Um, he's the real estate mogul that he's very good. He's by the way, um, his books are part of the the Rich Dad Poor Dad um, family. Yeah, yeah. So he's endorsed by uh, Robert Kiyosaki, and he was yeah. saying that in times of inflation, uh, cash isn't uh, a liability, and mm. debt is a an asset. And it's true. If let's say in a perfect world, if you get what was the lowest uh, interest rate we got. Oh, below 3% for a borrowing. So let's homes. say 2.5, right? Yeah, sure. So if you bought a house at 2.5% mm-hmm. and the inflation is five, basically the state is paying you that 2.5%. Right. Because again, you're paying a lot less than, than the inflation is. And so the money is devaluing. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you still own the house. You still have it. So, yeah. so that's, that's, that's number one, right? That's probably the best uh, asset you can have. Um, I do believe in stocks. I do believe in owning companies, uh, especially growth stocks. Um, again, even having ETFs that are following S and P five hundred, mm-hmm. um, that that's at least what eight to twelve percent a year um, income historically. Yeah. Historically, yeah, and in good times, it's a lot more, right? So, um, and again, I mean, I think the next step for me is to get a um, what I can a second house as an investment mm-hmm. um, because that's something very uh, like you can't go wrong with that right unless you're buying get a high <laughs> yeah <laughs> but over time it's still it's still gonna it's very hard to lose in real estate really, yeah. over the long term yeah. so what I'm saying is um, in, by the way which reminds me like do you think there's gonna be a correction in the market soon it doesn't look 